This is the joy of gaming. Welcome to the Joy of Gaming Podcast, episode 61. I'm Rich Lapore. And I'm Jordan Alseka. And we are here to talk about some video games, as we do very well, I would like to say. I love talking about games. Yes, and uh, a bit more rarely, which I know everyone out there, just, just from the fact that we started as a gaming podcast, might be a little bummed about, but we're trying to get more to that. Uh, we like doing all those other topics, though, and it's we fun. hope you enjoy them, and check them out if you haven't. Absolutely, uh, although, lately... Uh, and I picked up, I'm a huge spoiler, I picked up a Nintendo Switch. I waited six hours out in the freezing cold, bundled up in a sleeping bag with a fellow line waiter named Andrew, who's really cool, um, and this other dude named Jordan, who looks just like, just like the dude from, uh, not like, just like you. He looks just like uh, Chad, um, the, the guitar player from Newfound Glory, Chad Gilbert. That is, you, you're looking at the wrong person to get that reference. But here's the funny part. I, I said to this dude, he's a, little, he's a little younger than me, but similar age, and he apparently loves Newfound Glory. So he's like, that dude's name's Jordan too, right? And I was floored, because I said, you look just like him. I figured out by the end of the night, I was like, you look just like that dude from Newfound Glory, the guitar player. He's like, his name was Jordan too, right? I almost fell over. I was like, you're fucking right. <laughs> his name is Jordan, because there's another guy in Newfound Glory named Jordan Pundick. Um, who's the lead singer? And I wasn't quite. I didn't, my emo uh, goggles were like left at home, so I'd forgotten, or my ego, whatever. My ego, my emo thinking hat, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. His name is Jordan. That's so weird. And then this guy, Jordan, who was waiting in line with us, his girlfriend's name's Jordan too. It's a lot of Jordans. It was Jordan fucking city, dude. And you weren't there. What the fuck? Well, I didn't get a Switch. I, I know. Uh, so this is gonna be our big topic. Is obviously the Nintendo Switch came out. Uh, we're going to talk about. What there is to talk about about yeah. it at this point. The uh, Nindies, brah. Nindies. Have you seen the Nindies? No. Nindies is their... Oh, wow. You missed that. That's pretty big. So the Nindies is like they're sort of... It was sort of uh, uh, connected to GDC, and they're talking about like how they're all about the independent games. And they, not, and they announced like 50 indie games that are going to be on this system, and they call them, quote, Nindies. Reactions? Thoughts? I, mm. Yeah, I know. Somebody said it sounds branding. Like a, somebody said it sounds like a brand of breath mints that taste shitty. <laughs> I mean, Nintendo. You know what? They got their branding. They 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 were shut off for like about a decade. There, they named their last console a Wii U. They finally got it right with Switch. So if they're kind of burned out on everything else, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Switch. And I knew it would, like the Wii did. It's growing on me. I know you liked it right off jump, right? I did. Yeah. It's well. First of all, it's great for telling you what the system's about. It provides uh, a much better name than Wii U. <laughs> it tells you it is a new system. And uh, God help me, if nothing else, that catchy little snap noise whenever you see those c- commercials. I can't yes. even do it. it goes, Which YouTubers have gotten uh, cease and desists over. They've gotten no. copyright claims over use, having that click. That sound videos. effect? Yes. Nintendo is so... Con- they are the most baffling, frustrating company in so many ways. And just one of the one of those ways is not giving anybody ever what they want. You know, you want a game, they're going to make sure they don't put that fucker out for years. Everybody wants Metroid? No Metroid. No, oh, Federation. But, but wait, let's give you a fuck you Metroid game. 
that we, we put a whole studio on probably for a year and a half, two years. Instead of giving you the game we want, you get Federation Force. The, the, the decisions they make are fucking baffling. But another one of those decisions is YouTube, it's any smart thinking person in the new age realizes that Twitch and YouTube are incredibly important in gaming right now. Anybody knows that. And for Nintendo to, Nintendo to basically say, nope, you can't promote our shit this way, they're crazy. It's a crazy decision. Yes, uh, we therefore will not be loading this video up with Switch Pop sound effects. No, although that uh, would be fun. I've got a Sharpie here. It makes kind of a popping noise when I open it. Uh, I don't know copyright if you heard that. infringement. Yeah, no. All right, we're done. We're shutting it down. That's it. That's uh, over. But no, uh, you know, the Switch, I, 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 I wish I could say it was one of those things where I was tempted. Um, yeah, usually you will say like either that, yeah, I ended up going and getting one, or my mom got me one, or, you know, like that one time you act like... The one launch, like, I, I sh you didn't think you were getting one on launch day, and then all of a sudden I come over here and there's one sitting in your entertainment system? It was a very generous Christmas gift yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A, a while back. But but regardless, like, this was not one of those times when you were like, yeah, I almost got one. Or well, I, I mean, they were kind of impossible to find, yeah. but also not impossible to find. There was a lot of people, because it was either, it was feast or famine, it seemed like. A lot of people were just walking in, like, yeah. Sunday afternoon I've and heard switches this. for and Target and stuff. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I kind of did have that where I was like, you know, I'm going to, uh... I'm going to Target tonight. Maybe if they have a Switch, I'll uh, maybe I'll get one. They did not have a Switch. Yeah. They had a lot of nice Zelda Amiibos, which I considered getting just because Amiibos are cool. But uh, they they also have the Animal Crossing ones on clearance, so I just bought a couple of those because what, Amiibos are still cool. What did you get? The little oh, the oh, Amiibos are still cool, but Nintendo Switches aren't cool. Well, no, they are cool. <laughs> I just they are also you know three hundred dollars. They're not three hundred dollars. I mean, they are. But you if you if you buy a Switch. You have to buy Zelda. There's nothing else. Oh, sure, I you mean, do need a game. Right, so there's 360. And really, I mean, I know... Well, we'll talk more about our Switch stuff in the end and how you, what your thoughts were when you picked up my console. But in my case, I needed the Pro Controller um, because I want to play it on my TV and I want it to be comfortable. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, the Pro Controller, is it, it's pretty essential. It really is. Much more so than it was with the Wii U because the Wii U's tablet controller was like... I liked it. It was legit. I played Hyrule Warriors with that thing. It's legit. Um, it's it's totally it's totally serviceable, um, but anyway, we're going to talk a lot. If you haven't noticed, and, and by the way, this is a trend on podcasts. If you listen to any other gaming podcasts, I'm glad we're following suit because man, it is Switch City. Um, I mean, everywhere you look, it's just Switch, 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 Switch. Even people that could give a shit. Um, so anyway, we're chasing. We're we are. Chasing we're chasing trend. those headlines, chasing those clicks. Now I think we need that timely look at the PlayStation 1 and what made it a classic. Perfect. We're going to just change it up now. Perfect. Exactly. Um, but no, uh, we'll start with a tad bit of news. There's a few a things bit. worth mentioning. A little bit. Uh, then talk about what we've been playing, which more or less is probably just going to mold right into that Switch talk. Yeah. But we've got a few no, other No, I actually have quite a few others. Uh, one thing that Pokemon Sun and Moon led me to pretty hard. I even bought a stuffed animal. It's oh, a Lord. little uh, teaser. We'll tell you about it later. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll whisper about it. We'll start off with some news, and I'm going to start off with some chop busting. Okay, uh, bust some chops. So so this isn't so much news, but about the time this episode comes out, you know, Mass Effect Andromeda is going to be right around the corner. Oh, Rich. shit. So, uh, you finished Mass Effect 3 yet? I haven't. 61 and... episodes now! It's five, five years we've is been Is that doing. true? Yeah. Is that true? Since episode one, I hadn't finished it? You hadn't? Well, you... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's that's about when, uh... Oh, my yeah. God. Well, I have no excuse, except now it's one of those things. You know when you go back to a game, and I recently did this with uh, Paper Jam, that Mario and Luigi game. You go back after a month or two away, and it's like, how do I, how do you play this game? 
You don't know. You just gotta start over. You do! But I'm like two-thirds of the way through Mass Effect 3. I don't want to start over. Well, you play the first couple missions, and then you jump. You got... You... Oh, that I've done that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I, I mean, it That's it the technique, also... though. I'm glad you mentioned that, because people out there who want to know how to go back to old games, Jordan just gave you the fucking guide. That was <laughs> it's also fact. It is worth noting, this is a little bit what we've been playing, I did pick up Mass Effect 3, because I was like, you know, when, when Mass Effect 3 came out, that's when I played Mass Effect 2, and I was finally like, yeah, I'll give this a shot. Right, and I played through it, and I loved it, and it was a, it was a great game. Mass Effect Three, um, five years is a long time. You don't think about it as it's happening, and uh, yeah, the game the game definitely looks its age at this point. Five, five yeah. years, five six years or so. But that's the thing, though. I mean, if you're gonna say mechanically that's fine, and like that the combat's not great or whatever, but you know, visuals, especially 360 and onward were never something you said you cared about. I didn't... I still don't. I, I just... It was noticeable to me the fact that a lot has changed because it's so incremental. And It is. And, it really is. You know, I don't think it would matter so much because everything moves forward together, sort of. Uh, but it just... It, it, you can see the holes a little. Okay. Um, but also the gameplay, I don't think, was ever the greatest. Even I remember even playing it back then that the, the, the guns are harder to aim and it's a little flighty at times. And I... I I got about as far as I've ever gotten into Mass Effect 3, and I, I want to keep going back to it, but you don't have to with Andromeda. So that is what your plan is, probably, to just play Andromeda? Yeah, if I if I play, whenever I get around to sure. it. Sure. You know, so, so, you, so you don't see 3 as a prerequisite? No, well, it, I mean, For everything, you. yeah, the very little bit, and people who are avoiding spoilers, there's not much here, but it is based around a mission that got sent off to, like, the far, far corners right. of space you during Mass the, you're, Effect you're, 2. You're, you're like, oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. But it is, like, set in that, well... Who knows when it is set set, but, you know, anything that happened in Mass Effect 3 probably has no bearing on this game. Right. So. Right. No, that's that's true. Even if anything did. Right. And that's it's a, a fresh point. break. This, I think, will be a fully new person friendly game. If you've never played a Mass Effect before. So you're going to play uh, Rachel Ryder or what's the guy's name? Um, R not Richard. Richard Ryder? No, no probably not that. No. Probably not Jack Ryder. A lot of famous writers. There are a lot uh, of famous writers, especially with R.Y. I can go with uh, Rowdy Roddy Ryder. <laughs> All right, nice, nice. You get to name the first name, right? So it doesn't really matter. That's a good point. That's a good point. Anyway, are you going to play male or female Ryder? Probably male. I, I tend to play male characters because Me I too. am one. Uh... Me too. And the one time I didn't do that was in The Division. I've talked about this before. But there is no good-looking or dude that I could relate to on the dude side. So I had to pick a girl, and, and there was one that I was okay with. Just all the characters in that. It's great ethnic diversity, but really just not great-looking characters. And um, and so I picked a girl, and then when I went online and played with some randos, I was I felt so guilty and weird because like I'm I roll in with my girl, I match make, and then I get my mic hooked up about ten minutes later. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey guys, you know, and I just felt like a jackass. Like I'm trying to front like I'm this chick. I know that like these days that's not a thing, but still it bothered me. Well, speaking of, well, let's go into that some real news because this did just remind you reminded me of it. Okay, the division all tier two content is going to be free. Oh yeah, this is uh, which, a, this is a good story. Yeah, yeah. Seems like a abandonment. Is the division dead? The division's fucking dead as a door. Now here's the thing about the division. First of all, it's one year uh, anniversary. Just happened a couple days ago, and and it was uh, too not much fanfare. No, a big fanfare. Big fanfare. Okay. Excuse me. That it's relative because it's the division. Right. So it's the division, not destiny fanfare. Right. So this is like it's like uh, a huge whimper. You know what I mean? It's because. The Last Stand came out, so their third DLC dropped uh, co coincident with this anniversary, or right around that time. Right. And basically, it's just a glorified 
first-person shooter mode, or third-person in this case. It's just it's just like a multiplayer mode, basically, called Last Stand, and, and it's, it's supposedly just like a mode that is just one of the modes in any other FPS or any other shooter, so it's just much ado about nothing. However, it is DLC 3 of the season pass, so, so it's like a big deal. across that finish line. Right, really, it really did. And, and, you know, I heard there's like a good cinematic element at the beginning about these bodies in a truck, and it's really emotional, and then, like, boom, you're in this multiplayer mode, and that's it. And so, obviously, the first one was okay, because it was, like, the first DLC was, like, underground, and there was, like, this, this supposedly this cool, like, sort of, not, like, very light roguelike, where, where like, it was uh, uh, generated, uh, procedurally generated yeah, dungeons yeah. would reappear, and there was unlimited enemies to fight. That one seemed fun. I, I still didn't even take the plunge on that one, because I was into it at, up until that. Um, and then there was the second one, which was called Survival, which was, like, a survival mode, you know, much like Ark Survival Evolved or DayZ and that kind of Is vibe. Is that supposed to be the good one? That Yeah, a lot of people liked it. A yeah. lot of people liked it. But regardless, it was just a different game on the side. All your gear disappears, and you just start a new game called Survival, and you just happen to be in the division. Mm. So, whatever. And then this new one, The Last Stand, was a huge, like... Okay, well, if, it, if it's had a rough year, you know, you need the money from sales and theoretically... Continued engagement. Well, that's the thing I was going to develop, right? Right, and that's the thing I was going to say about the division. It sold incredibly well. So initially, like it sold a ton of copies. The same way, like Ghost Recon Wildlands just came out and it got pretty mediocre reviews. Mediocre to good, and yet that game is going to sell a zillion copies. For Honor, I bought the division. I own it. Right. Yeah. For Honor is just a huge, massive seller for them. Um, So these games, even if they don't have legs, they sell huge up front. Um, I was looking at the PlayStation uh, uh, Network downloads, and Rainbow Six fucking Siege was the sixth most downloaded most downloaded game for last month. Well, it's gone. I've heard Siege. on that one. That one has apparently gotten a very good improvement uh, over time. Regardless, though, that it's competing with big players. Well, that's. I mean, you got to remember this. Consoles are moving to the point where they are a little... I mean, it's probably never going to be parity with PCs, but it's definitely moving that digital direction where... I mean, if you look at the top Steam games every year, they yeah. are games that are like five, six, seven years old. It's true. You know, once a game is on a digital platform with a... You know, you can't sell it, and I think that's the big thing. When people can't get rid of their game and it's just there and they're, they get the urge to play it or the community yep. starts to form, yep. they never go away. Well, and, and also, yeah, you're right, because it's always there. So you haven't sold it. Yeah, I, I think that's implied in what you said. I still have Overwatch. Do you think about... If I had a physical copy of Overwatch... That fucker would be gone. But you know what? Now... He's out. Anytime there's an event, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go back and play some Overwatch. It and really, it's still fun. Digital does make a lot of sense. And it doesn't also hurt... Another huge nice aspect is the whole digital jukebox effect. Mm-hmm. You go on and you just play what you want. Like, I even have a, have a problem with... I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn. And I wanted to watch uh, Wolverine Origins, that movie. And I'd have to fucking, like, pa- turn off my Horizon game, pop that disc out, put it in its box, and it just feels like I'm in the Dark Ages doing it. It feels like I don't want to do it. Instead, I fired up my PS3, which is sitting next to it, to play the movie. What is this, 2012? It's ridiculous! <laughs> it's ridiculous! I mean, anyway, anyway, I digress. No, it's crazy how quickly you get spoiled on something I know. that you would have never been, you would have been like, that's so indulgent. Now you're just like, Bleh. I know. I used to think that putting a game in was something I enjoyed. Now I'm just like, digital, please. And the other thing that happened too is big, and you've got to admit this is big, is that the Steam model of like highly discounted digital games 
finally came over a couple years ago to the console. It's still it's, it's still not as good. To, yeah, it has a way to go. It's not as good, but that idea of getting a game for twenty bucks, like getting Mirror's Edge Catalyst for ten or fifteen dollars on a regular basis. All these news stories are just coming now. I got a list. <laughs> There's okay. a lot that's happened. All right, cool. Well, let's go into that because digital has gotten. Somewhat different for Xbox is now they have the essentially Sega channel of the modern age. You pay ten dollars and you get up for every month. There's a, a rotating gallery of games you can just download and play. It's interesting. It's um, definitely interesting. Um, this obviously distinct ha- from Games with Gold, which they were quick to point out. This obviously has its roots in a service called OnLive, um, which I actually had an OnLive because I was working at Ubisoft at the time, and we had a. a, a partnership with the online people so they gave us like a console and a bunch of these little cars to download shit otherwise i never would have fucked with that but it was free you know i was like oh i'm gonna try far cry 3 or whatever it was at the time and it had lag like a motherfucker and it you know streaming wasn't sure. ready. um but then also uh playstation doubled down on all this shit at the time and they bought something some company that ended up Oh, I remember, but God, that that whole service has not been great, so it's not like it's... PlayStation Now. Gokai, right? Yes, yes! Thank you! No, Gekai. No, something like that. It's something like Gokai. It's in that, yeah. But it's not that. But anyway, yeah, that. So they bought that company, and they repurposed it as PlayStation Now. So that is the current PlayStation Now. And actually, for certain people, it's just the right thing. I have a friend, Melissa, who wanted to play all the old Ratchet & Clanks, but all she has is a PS4. Voila. Because you can't fucking... It doesn't have backwards compatibility. Yeah. And, you, and unlike, you know, later in the PS3's era when you could buy a lot of the PS2 games, they went a different route. They said instead, pay this monthly subscription and get all your PS3 games streaming through PlayStation Now, which has its pros and cons. I hear that, you know, frame rate dips and streaming issues and all kinds of problems. But for a person like her who just wants to play Ratchet & Clank, it's perfect, you know? True. Anyway, so those two things are sort of the precursors, and now and Xbox Sega has Channel. their version. Oh, you, you get throwing shade on Sega Channel. That's the OG. I forgot that. That's true. Time Warner Cable, you put a box in your house that would stream in the 90s. We could go even further back to Sega that Nintendo Genesis thing. Sega Genesis games. We could, but... Ah. There was See, a Nintendo, was... like... It was like a, like a newspaper. No, no. It was like a... It would download, like, new Zelda levels and shit. I don't know. Something weird from Japan. But yeah. anyway, yeah, no, but that Sega channel, did you have it? I had Sega channel. No! I, had... I know you've told me this before, but I'm re-shocked. Still don't believe I'm re-shocked. I, at the beginning of every month, we would I would out of bed like a bolt because the new games would be on the service. And oh, it's like Christmas. I remember you telling me Digital exclusive games for the Sega Genesis. What were they? I, things like Pulse Man, I want to say. A lot of Jap- ga- J- Japanese games that got localized. I thought you were about to say Jap games. <laughs> I was about to be like, wow. Not something Jordan would say. Cultural insensitivity. Not something no, Jordan would not. ever say. Um, but it just sounded like it for a second. Sorry, guys. But the uh, it was a great service, and I still miss it dearly. And I played so many Genesis games yeah. through it, uh, and it, it was yeah, it was it was a weird service, um, and it was, sadly did not last super long. Yeah. Sega always ahead of their time. Well, that's funny you'd say that. You 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 freaked me out there for a minute because when I was looking at my PS4 store today uh, to get Steep, because it's on free play days right now, and so when I was on there. Um, I saw that like they're high on PlayStation now. They're highly promoting that they just added a bunch of Sega games, and that's obviously probably coincident again with with what's going on with this. They're like, we got Sega games too. There's a bunch of Sonic shit up there, and Sonic Generations. A lot of good stuff. A lot of stuff you'd love, you know. Sonic Mania is at some point. Yeah, <laughs> Sonic year. Mania's money is coming, and then um, whatever Sonic Sonic Project 2017 right is. So that's this year too, by its very name and nature. Yeah, assuming it doesn't get pushed. But then again, they. Then it's Sega Sonic 2017. Just, I mean, I'm sure it'll get a real title, okay. but it'll 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 come out. I hope. 
Yeah. Because I like both. I'm, I'm really excited for Mania. Uh, next, really quick, though, is... Uh, so Destiny did announce that it's Destiny 2 character levels will not carry over. You'll right. be starting fresh. Which makes sense. I mean, yeah. what are they going to do? Take you from 40 to 100? I mean, it just doesn't... I mean, 400 light to... You know, level 40 and 400 light to whatever. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to I mean, do that. it could. World of Warcraft has been slowly incrementing for over yeah. a decade. It's true. But... And I've heard a lot of other very smart people uh, like Jeff Gerstmann say this. And it's very true that that game... It, it's almost like the Destiny 2 beta. Destiny was. And it's it's... They learned a ton of lessons now, but the, here's the thing: Destiny always made good. Like they always came through for their for their, you know, fan base. And part of the reason for that is the game is just so goddamn fucking fun. I don't know. This sounds this sounds a little like revisionist history. I remember some months where you were just like, man, this game's got nothing. It there no, were some stretches. But then Taken King came out, and it's directed by Luke Smith, who's directing Destiny Two. It should be noted, and Taken King changed everything it, t- it flipped the tables when i was out in san francisco last year last christmas time for three months and i had none of my friends were around and i was working really hard on on a project all i did at night was play destiny every day and i made a whole group of friends online and we were like in raids and it was crazy and the taken king and king's fall raid and all the stuff court of oryx and all the stuff surrounding taken king was like it made good on all the promises of destiny until the content ran out which of course it did yeah but man was that fun and then everything else has been Eh. And, you know, the way I experienced Destiny was pretty smart. So I experienced vanilla, and I was like, wow, I ran out of content in about a week and a half, you know? People were loot-caving it, then that got shut down, whatever. So I, I left. That I was one out. mission where you get a sword's cool. Yeah, it is really cool. I've played that mission about four times. My initial character in Xbox, and then I moved over to PlayStation 4, and I made three more characters and tried the Nolan North. See, that's the thing. They've done. They've invested so heavily in it, and partly because they have the money to do it. The game is a huge seller. It's yeah. hugely popular, unlike The Division, where you go and look at the numbers on... Uh, on like uh, Steam and like nobody's playing it. There's like 50 concurrent users. I, that's an exaggeration, but it's really bad. Um, so anyway, Destiny though, it just it it it. So I did the vanilla, and then I came back right before Taken King, and they sold Taken King for like 60 bucks, and it also came with DLC one and two. So at that point, I didn't suffer through the Dark Below and. What was the other one? I, I forget. Um, the second one. Oh, you... Mm, no, anyway, I, I just can't think person. of it now. Everybody who's listening to this is just like, ah, and screaming it at me, but I just can't think of it right now. But anyway... Well, now you can get the collection for 30 bucks. Right. I've, I've been tempted, but I never... The problem is, though, here's the big problem. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. So I so I played the Taken King, and I, first I got I bought it like digitally two weeks before and, got, and played through all that content. And then the Nolan North stuff came in where they redid the Ghost from, from Dinklebot, and so then it was playing through the campaign again was almost like a new experience. It was really fun. And then, so that lasted about two or three months, and it was really great, but then the content dried up. Everybody was at top level, and it didn't matter anymore. We'd done the hard raid, et cetera, et cetera. So then, and there were so many good quests and weapon quests, and oh my God, there was so much good stuff. Um, uh, Touch of Malice, this one gun that's like a raid gun, oh my God, it was amazing, the quests associated with that. When you're done, you feel so much satisfaction. Satisfaction like people of World of Warcraft have been talking about forever, but that I've never experienced, just because I never played a game deeply like that. But I finally understood what it's about and why that feels so good to have an amazingly geared character. And when you get in the raid, they're like, dude, do you have touch? You got touch? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I got touch of Malice and a galley. We're cool, you know? Um, and so that, those kind of things, you know? And it was really, really fun. But anyway, after those three months, you know, then it kind of fell off. And then when the when the final DLC thing came out, it was just like really lame. I bought it. 
uh, Age of Iron or something. The Iron Lords. I think it's Age of Iron. No. Is that recent? I thought the... The one that came out in Chris- Christmas of last year. And a whole year after the Taken Was that... King. Oh, Taken King's the one that added the Dreadnought? Yes. Okay, so yeah, yeah. And so then there was the Iron Lords one. Um, uh, something of Iron. Anyway, I don't want to bore people, but um, that one came out. I paid the $30 for it, and I went in there, and I was like, wow, there's not shit to do. Like right then, I mean, it was really a stopgap. It was done by the live team. It wasn't. It wasn't anything. They, so, did they originally want Destiny Two last year? Or? Yes, yes, it was intended, and then they realized it was going to be a much bigger project. Anyway, all that aside, because of the way I played it, I had that three month period that was true euphoria. You know, I really didn't suffer through all the doldrum times real bad because I was gone at that point. Right. When I came back, it was right at the height of it, and then I left again. And then everybody else is in the doldrums. The only way you can play Destiny for the past two and a half years straight through is if you're a multiplayer player. It's the only way. Because the raids, there's no reason to play them after a point because you have all the gear. And that's the problem with Destiny now and the reason why I wouldn't recommend you getting the collection or listeners out there. And that is because straight up, there's no reason to get this gear. Mm. And the whole point of that game is you've got to want the gear. Because if you don't want the gear, it's, it, it's really challenging, it's really tough, and there's no satisfaction if you get shit you don't need or that doesn't do anything for you. Right. You know those games have a carrot dangling, and when that carrot gets eaten, you're fucked. Gotcha. You know it. And so that's the problem. Everybody, even with this new... Rise of Iron, that's what it's called. Even with Rise of Iron, everyone came and they were like, okay, so I'm leveling for what exactly? You know, oh, I can play the raid. And then they played the raid, and they're like, wait, now what am I leveling for? Because there's no nothing's coming. Anyway, when Destiny 2 comes, it's going to be a massive overhaul of the what we consider Destiny. And that's cool. And it was sold as something very differently. You remember. It was the 10-year plan. No, I was going to say, yeah. They, where's the interview? I'm sure there's an interview out there rolling back. Where it's like, no, there was always, it's always meant to be multiple SKUs, guys. I'm sure Bullshit. there's that interview. It was a 10-year plan. Supposedly one game, 10 years, lots of expansions. Whatever. Now they say that 10-year plan always involved Destiny 2 and Destiny 3 and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's your revisionist it's history. It's one of those, everyone knows you're lying, but we'll let you have it. And that's the thing, right? Even even Deej, with this latest news, came out. Deej is like their community guy. And he's really kind of, well, anyway, I want to say anything bad about him in case I ever... <laughs> Get that hammer going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, Deej... Um, he, uh, You're doing a great job. He, yeah, I'm trying here. I'm trying to keep it PC uh, on the on the anyway uh, on the PR front. But he um, he does these live streams, and they did one to talk about uh, you know this announcement because everybody's been leaking it. And Jason Schreier from Kotaku's like all sniffing in there, but he's like sniffing around the Destiny news, figuring everything out, talking about how it's going to be different. And one of the things he thinks is there's no way we're going to bring characters forward. There's no way. So then Deej comes out with, like this last week, and he's like, so. Destiny is about the character and the relationship you formed with your All right, Aleshkot. <laughs> right. It's about this this relationship you formed. And it's and he goes like my character. My character loves Dead Orbit gear. He's always like talking about Dead Orbit this. It's one of like the three like gear vendors. He's like and so my relationship with Dead Orbit I'll always be a guardian who rocks Dead Orbit gear. Ugh. And so, and then, and then, but he's like, but, but your, your actual weapons and stuff like that, they won't carry over. So some people are up in arms, but anybody who takes 10 minutes to think about it realizes that if you want Destiny 2 to be an amazing experience, it needs to start fresh. It has to, because there's just no way to get, see, because Destiny 1 wasn't where it needed to be, they need to start over. If Destiny 1 had been like on the level from the beginning and they already had planned this 10 year plan properly and learn and knew all the lessons they've learned in three years, in your, at the beginning, which is impossible. It's one of those games not gut out all the story right, right. before launch. Right, those kind of things. If they'd learned those lessons 
in a way they could never have learned them, you know, basically time travel, then they could have made the game ready for a 10-year plan. But as it stands, they need to overhaul the whole thing. And luckily, the guy, Luke Smith, who did Taking King, is, is directing. So it's going to be a, a phenomenal game when it comes out this year. And that's when I would recommend you and our listeners, if you haven't played Destiny, jump in. We'll see. Uh, all right. Oh, come on. <laughs> Jordan's tough, man. He's a tough. He's, he's tough to convince to play shit lately. Uh, well, uh, let's see. What was some other news? Well, I guess it's worth... I said well a lot. I guess it's worth mentioning... Well, <laughs> God dang it. Uh, war. Shadow of War. Shadow of War. Wow, well, I was going to say War of Mordor. Shadow of Wardor. Shadow of Wardor. Uh, That's probably sequel. what you got to call it, just Wardor. <laughs> Hodor. The sh- sequel to Shadow of Mordor. Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Has been announced after being leaked uh, in a kind of standard hilarious way these days of a website. Put it up when they shouldn't have yet. Right. But the trailer I mean, came out. I just can't believe that nobody's used the Nemesis system in another game yet. I just can't believe it. I mean, everybody apes everything, but the Nemesis system's still unique to that series. I mean, that thing was raved about, and it was cool. Maybe no one figured out how to copy it right. Is that... Maybe? Maybe? I mean, supposedly this game iterates on it pretty huge. I was listening to an interview with somebody who... Friend Nemesis or something. Well, sort of, yeah. So, So now you actually build an army out of these Nemeses. I don't know if you did in the first one, but I know you do in this one now. And so it's like... A, you have Nemesis, and then you also have, you know, like, these friends, and they have different... Anyway, it's an evolved version of Nemesis, and it should be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I want to play it, but I want to play the first one first. I have the uh, Game of the Year edition sitting on my PS4 digitally, and I want to go back and play the whole thing. I played, like, ten hours, and I, I loved it. I played a little bit of it. It didn't grab me. I liked the idea of the Nemesis system, but gameplay-wise, I was just sort of... I think it was, it was... It came out right around the time when I was really getting burned out on Assassin's Creed, and oh, it yeah. is... Very Assassin's Creed. It is. Creed. It's very Assassin's Creed. In fact, there was that whole controversy, if you remember, when uh, they, you see the main character scurrying up a wall, and one of the Assassin's Creed guys were like, hey, wait a minute. That's my code. <laughs> one of the developers <laughs> of Assassin's Creed is like, we we wrote that code. And then it came out that there was some sharing between the companies. That's fine. That's good for them. Yeah. Um, only uh, a couple There's other a couple other things. Yeah. We've got Scalebound. the Scalebound was canceled. I am, I, I don't know if you are, but I'm like supernaturally upset about this. And I don't know why, I guess. I just think it's just such a loss that a game was worked on for years. And like that cool promo where he puts the headphones on and the music starts rocking and he gets on his fucking dragon and just rocks shit. I mean, it looked like a really fun like evolution of the Devil May Cry kind of idea. That's what I thought it was going to be. And then it just goes poof. What a shame. It is a shame, and it's always a sad when a game gets canceled. But what do you think? Are you were you looking forward to it? In that, I mean, it was platinum. Um, you play about one out of every four platinum games, maybe five. I I, I like and the kind games of in like there. some of them. When they hit, they hit like hard. Vanquish. I knee sliding. A a a a a bayonet is one of my all time favorites. That's true. That's true. Um, bayonet two, you didn't even think about getting, even though you had a Wii U for a year. I didn't have it for a year. I had it for four months. Okay. Bayonetta <laughs> 2, significantly dude. different. Uh, Bayonetta... Why never did you play Bayonetta 2? Everyone said get a pro controller, <laughs> so uh, it became this uh, additional barrier to entry. Got it. Understood. Um, that makes sense. Which, yeah, is unfortunate, but true. Okay. It's also why we never played Hyrule Warriors co-op, because of yep. the god-awful Oh, Wii god, can you control. imagine that? Uh, but, you know, it, I'm sad this got canceled, but sometimes great things come out of cancellations. Overwatch came from a canceled MMO, sure. so... Sure. I don't think, I mean, you know, Platinum will probably just make their next weird sci-fi game. Um, and it'll have dragons and headphones. Yeah. Um, You're right. It's true. Or they'll make Mad World 3. 
you know. Oh, I forgot there was a two. There really well, was two, wasn't there? Anarchy Reigns. It was like the fight, the street brawler with, featuring the characters of Mad World, so. All right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. We, um, we digress. And then the other news uh, that we that you had mentioned to me was about uh, Marvel Square. Yeah, Marvel is finally getting back to console gamings, and they're doing it with Square Enix and really Crystal Dynamics and uh, Eidos Montreal. Which, when I heard that, it reminded me that that's why we're not getting another Deus Ex probably for four or five years. They announced that. That they're not working on Deus Ex 3 or whatever, or 5, whatever it is. Well, you know, I mean, I think it's fine if they take time. It's been six years since Skyrim, and I'm sure right. that'll... I, I, well, I take that back. I, I'm pretty sure that's in development at this point. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, it's been, what, it's been a year and a half since Fallout 4 now? Uh, yeah. So time go, time flies. Time does fly. It's sad and scary. Uh, but, you know, I, I love console superhero video games, and it's been a while... Uh, you know, they, they used to be a lot more frequent, and then there was the big mobile social gaming push. There's a lot of Marvel social media games. I'd and say mobile 15. Games. There's a lot. I mean, and in every genre. Uh, however, they all end up breaking down to be kind of similar. Um, yeah, they all, they all do the gotcha thing. You know, where you're getting characters and like, ooh, this is a three-star Iron Man, but that's a four-star Iron Man, three-star Iron Man's obsolete! Yeah. That shit. Uh, which is unfortunate. But I, I like the idea of them doing a, a story-driven narrative game again. That's a great idea. I mean, think about how much fun we had with uh, Ultimate Alliance, the first one. Yeah. How fun was that? Uh, and who knows Real what this fun. will be. Right. Uh, and granted, the Spider-Man game is also coming, so it, it's they are clearly pushing back into that space. Well, I mean, it, you know, it only makes sense. I'll tell you, because we recently watched Logan, and then I, that led me to watch Wolverine Origins again. And as I watched that movie, you can imagine what game I started thinking about again. The Origins Wolverine game? That amazing game. Yeah. It was so good. Now I want to play it again. That game rules. But that was like maybe one of the last good narrative uh, Marvel games we had. It was really great. But think about what they could there do. There some. That was 2009. You gotta remember. So what else was there? Uh, a lot of the B-Knox Spider-Man games. Um, okay, I always ones. put Spider-Man on its own pillar, but yeah. Uh, Shattered Dimensions was good. I like Dead of Time. Yeah, I like hanging out in one building for an entire game too. It's a diverse building. It's got it's got it's fucking got, plants uh, in it, one room. It did. Um, and it's you know, got an arboretum. The Amazing Spider-Man games could have been better, but it's been a while now. So I'm yeah. I'm glad Spider-Man's coming back, dude. It's coming from, and that's another reason you need to get a PS4. Yeah, it's an Insomniac Spider-Man game. That's another piece of news that we need to talk about, and it hits a little closer to home, but you almost bought a PS4, didn't you? I don't know that that's news so much news as to me. a thing I thought about doing, it's but a, yes. It's, 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 it's disturbing <laughs> that you didn't. Just think about all the stuff that's coming out. And second of all, I'm going to be talking about Horizon a little later. Oh my god, that game's good, dude. So I've heard. Oh my god, that game's good. Especially if you're not getting a Switch with Zelda. It's like the perfect next best... Anyway. No, I got, um... Ukulele in April. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But that's, it's a it's, it's a, a dry it's a bit of a dry spell for the one. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Well, that and 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 conversely, a hugely you know big time for the PS4. What with Neo was a huge smash. Um, Yakuza Zero, huge smash. Oh, I play and that. you love Yakuza. I do. Fucking, we got Persona Four, Five next month. Not even by the time people are listening to this in a week from now. It'll be out in, like, a couple weeks. 
Um, I mean, it's just been an insane time for the PlayStation 4. And then Horizon Zero Dawn, I mean, the game is a, it's a, it's a masterpiece so far what I've played. Anyway, you need one. It'll happen one day. <laughs> I know it will. I know it will, but it needs to happen. All right. Um, anyway, the, uh, is that it? I think so. Not a whole lot of news. Yeah. But, well, 35 minutes worth. <laughs> you know us, dude. We go. We go. Uh, but you I get, guess... Next time, don't mention Destiny. I, <laughs> it came to me. No, it came to me. It, it sends me off on diatribes. If there's so much to talk about there. I could just go on and on and on and on and on. All right. There uh, are podcasts. Dude, nothing but talk about Destiny. I'm sure. Uh, so, the next thing we do is talk about what we've been playing, uh, which I'm going to let Rich go first, because I probably have more meager picks than he does, and okay. we'll go back and forth a bit. Alright, well, I'm going to start with uh, what I was just talking about, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, this game, I've only played the first hour and a half, two hours, um, and so I'm still doing, like, the... I haven't been unleashed on the open world yet, I'm still, like, learning from my mentor, who's, like, my surrogate father, this guy named Rost. Um, and the game is... How do you spell that? I'm R-O- sorry. R-O-S-T. Okay. Yeah. I was like, in my head, it's like, that sounds like an anime-ish type of name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and her name is Aloy. Um, but you play her as a little girl to start, and she's like an outcast in this really... Which Ashley Birch, right? I believe, I believe yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just a... The intro... So everything I'd heard about this game, right, was that it's just the story is phenomenal. It's basically Far Cry 5, um, but better in every way. And with a story that is ten times better than any Far Cry story's ever been. Like, emotional, interesting, 15 different twists and reveals that just pull you through the story in this organic, amazing way. People are saying it's like the masterpiece of uh, Guerrilla Games. You know, obviously they're the ones who did Killzone and then Killzone 2 and then, wait, was the next one? Killzone 3. And then, wait a minute, Killzone Shadowfall. Um, and then, oh wait, there was one for Vita. Oh yeah, Killzone Mercenary. I think someone else developed that. I'm just kidding. But they, they supervised. They do a lot of Killzone. This is their first like new IP or since Killzone. Um, and they. Oh, it's funny to hear you say Killzone. I don't so know. Much, but I'm chuckling. They nailed it. I mean, this IP is just amazing, and I'm only in the beginning. But the emotional shit that happens, and I, I mean, it's just. It's picture perfect. And there's this one scene, I'm, I'm going to spoil this one tiny thing, but the way they do the intro, you're the little girl for the first hour of the game to do tutorial stuff and set up her story and why she's so bitter about being an outcast in this village. And then all of a sudden she's training in this beautiful montage. She does a roll after she kills something with her, with her arrow and then does a roll and then she's the big girl. Can you picture it? She's a little kid, and then she like rolls, and then all of a sudden, big Aloy. Oh, it's just it's just a tactful and awesome. It's just really good. And I'm only like this far into it. The game just has amazing systems I've heard and loot like that you give a shit about. That's 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 you know randomized to some extent. I think this one kid at, at work was telling me he got a purple bow and it just destroys shit. I mean, it just it just sounds like a masterpiece. The only problem I have with it is that it's in a you know, the opposite of famine feast time when there's so much to play. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like I have Zelda sitting right here and I have this other open world game pulling on me. So, anyway, <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn looks to be like a very strong contender for game of the year so far. Well, that's you cool. need to play it. I can't. I know. <laughs> what you got for me? What have you been playing? Oh, Jesus. Um, well, I said Pokemon. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still pushing along. Uh, Pokemon Alpha Sapphire, which I think I mentioned last time. This Pokemon Sun and Moon was really good, and I wanted to go back and finally play that one. And I've been doing that, and, you know, it's it, it always feels more archaic. The remake, uh, you know, it's not as 
dynamic camera and right. evolved and and they they added a good bit of story uh cinematography and whatnot to the cutscenes and all but it's still an older pokemon game and it feels it but it's fun i'm farther in it than i've ever been because this is a game i false started several times across its original release in 2002 four three I, somewhere I in there you're the poker guy uh i'm gonna go with three yeah okay. 2003 all right I'm hoping that's And that's, right. that's, that's, that's blue and... No, that's, that's, that's Sapphire, Ruby and Sapphire. Oh, okay, so that's uh, Gen 3. Yeah, Gen 3. And uh, I'm now farther than I've ever been. I just got to the part where you catch the legendary, so definitely farther than I've ever been. And pretty close to the end of the game. Yeah, you are. I thought, so in the other one, you don't catch legendaries. In Sun and Moon, you don't do legendary stuff really until post-game. Well, you get the one. You get the one. No, no, no. Well, yeah, I got the one, and I don't okay. think you get the other. And there's all the legendaries. There's, like, a bunch of legendaries in the post-game for this one. Dude, uh, you were very close. November 21st, 2002. Is that the Japanese date? Okay, let's look. <laughs> let's look. I'm going by American standards. God damn it, you're goddamn yes! right. March 2003. Yeah, I was Fuck. all over the place for... Why do you want Fuck. to get you, like, this gotcha journalism? No! This gotcha journalism! I was journalism. giving you cred, and that cred wasn't good enough. It wasn't That cred good wasn't enough. good enough. I was like, damn, dude, you were really close. That's awesome. And you're just like, oh, yeah? I bet you I'm even closer than you think. I got my power glove That's on now. That's what I'm now. giving you shit I'm about. Just... It's like it's kiss so the ring. Bad. Kiss the it's ring. so bad. My name's Lucas. Um, the wizard references hot and timely. About, um, but yeah, I it, it's fun, and I've played a lot of Pokemon recently. Uh, I'm glad to almost be done with this one, just because I would like to cross it. It's the only Pokemon generation I've never, and technically this is now a Gen Seven remake, whatever. But it's the or Gen Six remake. It's the only main series game I've never finished a version of, here's, so I'm happy to finally do that. Here's something that I'm going to maybe have to do, because I'm not getting rid of my copy, because it's like a Pokemon... I played Sun and Moon, but now... Um, anyway, there's another game I played, and it's called... I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast yet. Yokai Watch? Have I? No, no, no. Okay, so I got deep into some Yokai Watch. So after Pokemon Sun and Moon, as you know, I filled out the Pokedex, um, which is fucking phenomenal. It's my first Pokemon game, and I... God, I, I filled it. It's at 100%. Wait, maybe... No. 100%. And it took forever. Trading, freaking leveling, freaking breeding, you name it, I did it. Because there's some, as you know, that you even have to, like, like the shark baby and shit, the beat and stuff, you gotta, like, breed the big shark. First of all, catching him's a bitch. And then you gotta breed him with with a, uh, a ditto. Um, anyway, I did a lot of Sun and Moon. And afterwards, I felt the, a big ape... What? The Alolan Pokedex, just to Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not a nut. Um, some people, uh, anyway, yeah, no, no, Well, no. you gotta, I mean, some people have done it along the way and are just gonna be like, oh, Pokemon Bank's open? Flood of right. Pokemon. Right, exactly. No, no, not me. I just did the Alolan, but it was a lot of work. It was, I think I have like 180 hours in that game or something stupid. But anyway, Yokai Watch, I think I put like 90 hours in. I'm not gonna fill out that, uh, it's called the, uh, Medallium. Because you get medals when they befriend you. I'm sorry, is, is this is this a Pokemon-like game, or is it a Final Fantasy level-up chart? No. The Medallium? Yeah, that's a good point. That sounds like the Sphere Grid or something. Or the Crystallium. Crystallium, too, right? You're right, that's even closer. Um, but anyway, the Medallium is, is I think mine is like 70% full, so I did collect a lot of fucking How yokai. How yokai are there? Uh, in the first game, like 212, something like that's that. That's pretty solid There's start. a lot. Yokai are cool. They're, some of them are pretty ugly, but some of them are... You know what this is, right? It's like... 
Yes, Le- yeah, yeah, the, the mischievous spirits in Japan and everything's right. got a yokai. Yeah, yeah, right. So level five, it's their Pokemon, and they were like, we got to come out with a game that's kind of like, and they call it like a Goemon type game, but really it's a lot like Pokemon, you know. Um, but I got deep, deep into it, so far into it that I went out and bought, you know, the little ghost who chills with you. He's a little ghost yokai. The red one? No, no, that's Jabanyan, and he goes when you catch him, he goes Jabanyan. No. I'm talking about Whisper. Whisper's your butler, and he's this white ghost. Dude, he's so cool. He's so fucking cool. But anyway, I, I was at GameStop, and they were blowing out, like, their collectibles. And there's fucking Whisper. It's this big, too. For listeners, I'm talking, like, 15 inches tall and, like, 12 inches wide, and he's, like, soft. And it's the first time I bought a stuffed animal in so long, but he's so cool. Um, so anyway, I bought a stuffed animal, got really into yokai, but what I was thinking is, I may, so I'm not going to get rid of it, because I have a 70% filled up medallion, even though it doesn't transfer into yokai watch too, they didn't get that advanced yet, however, because I'm keeping that game, maybe you would like to borrow it, and play some fucking yokai, dude. Is there a second save There's file? There's a third save file. No, <laughs> yes. You have two save files, I, God? There was one when I bought it used, Ah, and, and I've you, left you... it at a posterity. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. One day... I'd give it a try. I've actually always been curious. It's just they, they don't go down in price. No, no. But it's one of those things that you, being a Pokemon head, really should check out. Because it does some things that are better than Pokemon. Most things Pokemon kind of has the edge on. But the story is great. It's got a really good, like, chapter-based story that really evolves. And it's it's just fun. I mean, imagine this little... I'm just going to be a little microcosm scenario. You walk into the kitchen and your parents, who you know love each other, are arguing. And they're like... You're always working. You never help me with the chores, the mom says. And there's this little, like, you know how anime is? Uh, there's, like, a little, like, uh, rage cloud over her head because she's angry. And then the husband's like, what are you talking about? I work all week to put food on the table, and I come home and I'm tired, and, you know. And it turns out that you use your little yokai lens, and you look in the corner, and there's this Dismerelda. Because she's dismal, right? And she's, like, make, and she loves fights. So she's over there. There's this blobulous, like, purple yokai. Who's making your parents fight? And then you realize you're not powerful enough to kill her, so you have to go befriend some other yokai, come back and beat her. And then she gives you her medal and your friends, and then she leaves your parents alone. And then they're like, I'm sorry, sweetie, I didn't realize what I was doing, and then they make up. And that's kind of like a microcosm of what it is. You're, fi- you're solving problems, and you've got to figure out like which yokai's mischief is causing the problem. It's awesome. And in the second and third games, it even goes more into like this detective vibe. And I hope the third one, because they're not selling really well in the U.S., I'm really hoping it's pretty it... pretty culturally uh, yeah. specific. But that's the thing. Yokai Watch 3, Sushi and Tempura, the, there's two versions, Yeah. Um, they go to America in it. So it's like the American one, and if we don't get that one, I'm going to be really bummed. Unless it just does nothing but make fun of America, and that's why they don't want it here. But well, uh, who knows? But anyway, that's another thing I was playing. And man, if you had seen me, I was, this was mostly like at work and in breaks and at home. Instead of playing like a more in-depth game, I just grab my little 2DS and just crank on it. And like every day, you get a you get three cranks on this like. Um, yeah, like a junkie machine. It's called mm-hmm. the Crankakai. And these little bubbles come out and they might have yokai in them. So every day, of course, you got to crank it up and do your three pulls, you know? And so it's just compulsive and addictive. Sounds and weirdly sexual. Yeah. Just cranks and pulls. Yeah. I don't know. At least yeah, when no, I'm talking about milk fun. for one, two switch. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's really fun, dude. It's really fun. But anyway, I played at least 90 hours of that. And I was getting all like the old, they're called legendary, well, of course, they're called legendary yokai. And then there's rare yokai. And then they're, they all have, and here's the other thing that's really weird about Yokai Watch. So, unlike Pokemon, where you might say that they're tiered, like you might say that, I don't know, um, 
a uh, certain Pokemon, Sal- Salam- Salamander. What is it? Sal- the the new Salamander thing with the Firemander. Uh, the Ch- Charmander? No, 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 no. The one that's uh, Sal- Salazzle. Salazzle. Oh, Salazzle. Salazzle yeah. and then the one... The, Salandit. Salandit and Salazzle. Thank you. Like that breed of Pokemon is probably like a better Pokemon arguably than, I don't know, something lame like a... I don't know, uh, uh, a deli bird, you know, love like disc, love disc, right? <laughs> something lame like that. So they, there's a hierarchy there. One's like a definitely clearly better Pokemon than the other, you know, in as far as the meta or whatever you want to say. But in this game, it's explicit. There are E level uh, yokai's, there are D level, there are C level, there are B level, there are A level, and then there's S level. So literally, as you go through the game, your guys get obsolete. So in that way, it encourages you to you know keep getting new characters and, and integrating those into your team. Luckily, there's a lot of palette swaps. So if you get really attached to Jibanyan, then you can get like Shogunyan, you know, and he's like a Shogun badass. Jibanyan blue. Right, right, exactly. And then in the next game, there's Jibanyan, yeah, S. So they finally made an S rank Jibanyan so that you can keep him through the game. Anyway, it's interesting. It's it's one of those things, you know how Pokemon is, you just get so tied up in looking up everything on facts and finding out how to min-max and, and all the collectability. And Oh, and Yokai, the way you befriend them is you throw their favorite food at them. So you have to like acquire all the different foods and you want the rarest one because it has the best befriending rate. Anyway, it's a really fun game. I, I doused a ton of time into it. Thankfully, I beat it and I collected all the, all the, the Yokai I could stand to collect. Sure. So... I'm kind of at the end of that one. Neat. Um, what else yeah. have I played? Uh, Stardew Valley, I finally... Did you really? Yeah. Well, uh, our former co-host, Kelsey, uh, who you know gave it her game of the year, uh, bought it digitally for Xbox One. So I have access to it now. Sure. And uh, it's a fun game. Is it really fun? I mean, everything what's the, said about what's it. What's the draw? It, you know, it's just a nice world. Um, you know, it's every day, it's kind of you do what you want to do, and it has all these different venues. You can go and uh, fight monsters in the mine, or you can make fishing your primary thing, or you can plant your crop. I mean, you basically every day you're going to start and water your crops and, you know, take care of that. But, you know, clearing out your land, there's a lot of that to do, and you have an energy meter, so you can't just you can't just spend your first day destroying everything, because you, do, you do that, then you're exhausted. You're like, well, I guess I'm done for the day. You have... A bunch of uh, civilians to talk to and things that happen and, you know, specific triggers for different events. There's one thing. There's a guy who lives uh, kind of – he has a tent out in the wilderness and he's, he's homeless. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he talked to him. Is Everyone this, talk... a, is this a story going to tug at my heartstrings? It's trying to sound like it. It might. Uh, every day that you talk to people, they'll say a few things. And basically every day you can get a new chunk of the conversation. Oh, it, so, like, it sounds like Persona 4. Progresses. Yeah, things progress and you get to know them and your friendship goes up oh, wow. and all that. Um, but... Can you marry the uh, homeless guy? I don't know. Okay, I know you can marry a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of people you can marry. But the the thing that happens, and there are a lot of scenes like this, is if you are out in town past, I think, 9 o'clock or so, which, you know, if you're ta- at the bar where everyone hangs out and talking right. to people, will probably happen eventually, uh, you'll get a cut scene of him coming to town and, you know, shiftily just, like, trying to root through the trash cans to get food, and then someone will come out and call him off, and then... Uh, he'll he'll go and do it somewhere else, and and the barkeep comes out and he's like, here man, here's some food I couldn't uh, that someone didn't order, and like he'll help feed the guy. It was just a small scene, but really? it's, yeah, there's stuff like that throughout. Um, wow, it's just fun. It's a, it's it, it is a farming simulator, but there's so much more built on top of it, and 
Uh, I'm, I'm the sort, I like Animal Crossing. Uh, I never got into Harvest Moon, which is probably a closer analog, but I like those sort of do stuff once a day sort of games, but I like that this one is, you can play as much as you want or as little as you want. It's, you know, it's very easy to have a, uh, each day can last anywhere from five to 15 minutes and you just want to play a day when you're super busy and don't have much time to dip or to dive into a la- larger title. Uh, although it's very easy to also get lost in it for hours, as right. I'm sure you've heard right. from others. I have. Uh, it's fun though, and I, I keep going back to it because it's really easy to play when I just need to kill a little bit of time or don't want anything. So, are too you, are, when you say you go back to it, are you like five hours in or twenty-five hours in? About five hours in, okay. probably. Um, just because. Have you done any of the fighting? Yeah, yeah, the fighting is is solid, and you can get more loot and and get better loot, and you find more in the dungeon, and there's there's just there's a lot to do, and and that it all kind of feeds into one. Does another. it all feel good? Yeah, everything. Like, I know the solid. combat's not deep, but does it feel at least like? Legend of Zelda 1 deep? It feels solid like that. I mean, it's deeper than Legend of Zelda 1 because you get upgradable swords and whatnot. Oh, okay. And armor and things. But, you know, the combat feels solid enough for what nice. it needs to be. So Nice. That sounds like a great game. And to think that was made by one dude. Yeah. Uno. Uh, so Stardew Valley is the other big thing I've been playing. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll blow through a couple quick ones, and then I'm just going to talk about the last one. Um, so I've also gone back to two games that I hadn't finished. Uh, one of them, Sleeping Dogs, and holy shit, everything you said about it is true. That game's so fun. And I see I had heard about Yakuza 0 and how great it is. And I've always wanted to go back and play the Yakuza games. But I really want to play the first one, and now I can because they've announced it in a couple months. The remake of the first one's coming here okay. on PS4. Another great reason to have a PS4. And so I am really excited. So I'm going to play that one and then probably go to Zero. Um, not that I couldn't play Zero right now, but I kind of want to play the first one. You know, sure. I feel like it's got a great story. From I've heard all, that. All reports. That's what I've heard, and that just really makes you want to play it. So um, anyway, so that made me want to play Sleeping Dogs, which I have on my PS4. So I was like, yes, please. Definitive, I have the Definitive Edition, which has all the DLC, but I, I just haven't played it yet. Well, you it's could on the one. You could turn on um, the. You could just like go in and just play Year of the Snake. It's just yeah, but I also. Need... I mean, I'd want to reconnect to that world, and if I start it, I know I will because that game's just so much fun. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. The character's good. Everything about it's good. And I also went back to Mario and Luigi Paper Jam. So my sort of evolution on my portable gaming was Pokemon Sun and Moon, which really got me like, you know how you get habitual about portable gaming? Yeah. It's like when you have a game you love on the portable, it starts to become your companion that you take with you everywhere and you pull it out at all these times, and then you finish that game and it's like, I'm going to pull out my, oh wait, I got nothing to play. So Yokai became my substitute, and then when I finished that one, I played the last game I'm going to talk about, and then when I finished that one, now I've jumped back to Mario and Luigi, which I really want to finish. And, and to bring everything full circle a bit, what you were saying about Mass Effect... Like, that, I'm trying to prevent that from happening ever again. So Mario and Luigi Paper Jam, I played, like, three-fourths of it and then stopped, and I want that to not happen. So I've gone back to be playing that. So I'm enjoying that. It's a good game. It, it is showing a little more of its annoyances this time. The first time I played it, it bo- the, the, the toad hunts weren't bothering me as much. This time they're bothering me a little more. Maybe because they've gotten harder and more picky-oon. They're really picky and nitpicky. And, ooh, there's four minutes on the clock, and there's a toad on a little fence pole you can barely see. And it's just a little annoying. So anyway, I've been playing those two. But the one that I've been playing the most that I really enjoyed over the last little while was Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. Are you a Shantae fan? Uh, in theory. Yeah, you love them. Yeah, I know I would. I've always wanted to finally take the plunge. I just never have. Well, you can get on the Nintendo eShop, you could get the first Shantae, which I'd say is probably worth playing. I used to have the fucking cartridge, dude. I found it at GameStop for like 10 bucks. 
before it was worth 300 I sold it on eBay a couple years ago once the eShop version came out. But it is, it's fun. But it really got a lot better with the second game, which was, you probably played that one a little, didn't you? Didn't you get it on your uh, uh, DSI? Nope. Okay. I've well. never touched one. I've always wanted to, but I, I've not. Well, this is the one to get. Cause this is the first, like, modern level of design complete game. Um, the Pirate's Curse. Star mm-hmm. the Pirate's Curse. So it came out for the 3DS and a bunch of other systems in 2014. And it is, it's a masterpiece platformer. I mean, I'm throwing that word around a lot lately, but there's a lot of good games out right now. And this is, a, you know, another great game that, that I just recently got back into. But I, I restarted it sitting outside waiting for the Switch. Uh, and I just pulled out my game, and I was like, I'm going to fire this up and mean to play it, and man, I got totally hooked. That game is fucking hard, Jordan. The platforming in that game is so challenging. I actually, at a certain point, like, leading up to the end boss, you have to go through this really difficult, like, his castle, and it's it's like you have to use every one of these platforming techniques that you've learned throughout the whole game. So, like, you get these boots that let you triple quadruple jump. You get um, these other things that let you... No, you get a cannon that lets you quadruple jump. You get boots that let you run fast, but you have to have, like, a lead-up. Mm-hmm. It's one of those kind of things. Um, you get um, a, a scimitar that you can dump, jump and then, like, slam down, and there's blocks down there that you can break and get to new areas. It's very Metroidvania, which you know I just eat alive. I yeah. love those games. Um, but you have to use all of these different mechanics in conjunction over, like, complete, like, spances of, like, uh, uh, one-hit kill, if you touch it, spikes. And there's like very little things, a few things to jump on. You have to use every tool in your arsenal. It gets really tricky in a way you'd love. Probably, Considering yeah. how much I know you like Meat Boy and things like that. Um, it's just phenomenal. So, um, anyway, I played a lot of Shantae. I finally beat it a couple days ago. Cool, cool. Um, so, that's a good one you should definitely check out. But that brings us to the other things that I've been playing, which will be part of... The main topic. Hooray! I don't know why I said it like that. But the Nintendo Switch came out... After a less than ideal lifespan for the Wii U, yeah. I mean, you know, and sales school, numbers. It's weird to think it lasted technically five years, really four and a quarter, I guess. What November to March? So yeah, about four four and a quarter years, which isn't the worst ever. But man, if you look at that library, it it, it was it was limping along to the finish line there. That said, nowadays. Picking up a Wii U does make some sense if you get one for eighty, a hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a big library. That's Mar- why I did it last year. Right, Mario Maker, Bayonetta two, um, the original Mario. Uh, I would say Hyrule Warriors, and arguably the reviews would say it, but I like the 3DS version. Right, um, that 3D Mario was good. With the uh, uh, the cat suit, Super Mario 3D World. Yeah, yeah, um, and then. Um, uh, a lot of people say Tokyo Mirage is really sweet. I haven't played it, but I, I've heard it's awesome if you like like those kind of games. Um, there's really a lot of stuff. I'm trying to think of what else. What, what else did you play on it when you got yours? Yoshi's Woolly World. Yoshi's Woolly World has great. been ported. Right, and now, um, and now there's... Uh, there's a lot of that, you can po- say. Poochie levels. Yeah, it has been ported with Poochie levels. Right. Um, wouldn't mind that Amiibo. Obviously, there were a lot of good HD remakes of Zelda, Zelda games. games, so the Wind Waker HD is the way to play that game, hands down. Oh, I have that, and I love it. And Do- then Twilight. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze was Wow, solid. that's a great game. That is yeah. great. So there's about ten really, really good games for that system. So if you pick up the system, oh, Mario Kart, although it's going to be obsolete when the Switch one comes out. Yeah, Deluxe with yeah. everything from the DLC. Uh, is and, there any new features yes, to that? Yes, Battle Mode. Oh, do you like Battle Mode? Yes, and they, they had a really dumb version of it in the Mario Kart 8. So that's the one thing they needed to fix. And it's fixed. Cool. So it's coming. 
Uh, so yeah, Mario Kart Deluxe is, is coming for the Switch. But anyway, um, anyway, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, so it was announced. Well, let's let's be real. It was uh, it was rumored for well over a year of uh, NX, NX, NX. NX. Here's and the and NX. And you remember leaks. how much I talked about NX on this podcast? I was pumped. Yeah, and basically every rumor proved it, bore out where it was like, oh, here's the spec sheet. Oh, it's going to have touch screen. Oh, it's going to have uh, removable controllers. It's going to be a hybrid, uh, portable, and console system. Which really, in effect, Nintendo had to do because the reality is that. They are the portable market. They're the portable market. Feed is dead. And then also their their output of games is, is split between portable and console. And that means that neither system gets its fair share of games. Yeah. They still have enough output. And when the third parties abandoned the Wii U, it literally had no games. And that's what happened. So the Switch really needs to pick up a lot of steam and it really needs to get the third party support. And that's the promise of the Switch, right? Is it's portable and it's a home console. Um, you know, it's going to theoretically bring the console experience. I mean, this has been something that a lot of different systems have tried to pretend they could do. Um, even the 3DS. Now, 3DS, not so much, but the Vita especially um, was all about it. But even going back to the Game Gear and the Neo, not the Game, the, Neo, the Game Gear and the Lynx, they were trying to get you pretty close. I mean, the Lynx was 16-bit, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And, and, it, and the Game... Batteries like a mother. Yeah, it did. And the Game Gear was 8-bit, but it really did give you the Sonic ex- uh, console experience on the go. And then, obviously, flash forward to things like the Vita. Um, but the problem was they were never quite console game-level games. Like, when you played Golden Abyss, um, it just wasn't quite the Uncharted experience. Yeah. And when you played... I liked it, though. It was I mean, good. It, was it wasn't solid as game. good. No, it certainly wasn't. I it mean, wasn't a console-level game. And the same thing is true of the Kill... The Killzone game was pretty good on it, but it wasn't as good as a Killzone game. So it was always, like, not quite the console experience. And then there's the question, do you even want the console experience on the go? Which, in a lot of cases, you've answered the answer is no. I, I have concerns, which we'll get to. Let's start with, you know, positive stuff in terms of this system existing. Yeah. Well, no, I just wanted the background... Yeah, the background of, of you ...of you Me... not really care, wanting console games on the go i feel like it is a tricky balance to make a game that is fun on both because portable traditionally has a feel to it it has uh you know when you look at something like resident evil revelations it's very episodic and very bite-sized in chunks um theoretically if you make a system that can suspend well but then it it's it's curious we'll talk about it i I think one of the problems of the uh, Vita. vita was trying to bring those big experiences and being a little handicapped but also it not fully fitting like i didn't play uncharted golden abyss out and about much i played it like solidly in bed yes yes because you kind of had to yeah stretch and then when you bring those games to console vice versa like type zero they're not right it yeah it just doesn't feel right so it's a tricky balance and you know the the switch has to strike that now because it does both it's interesting. I, I wonder what Nintendo's plan is going to be. Anyway, let's talk about the hardware itself. So I waited in a line, as I've said many times, picked one well, up on the Let's also night. say, okay. uh, this thing was announced and then nothing for months. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, announced in November. November 13th, somewhere around there. And then we got no details until January. Yeah, it was launching that. in March. No, it was it was a fun event. No, actually, was it August or November? It was August. I think it had a six-month no, yeah. I, no, was it was it August? I thought it was. I feel like it was. I'm gonna look it up while you talk. Uh, but but you know the event was fine. It showed off all the games. Um, I found that I found that conference to be a little bit underwhelming because nothing was in the launch window, and apparently apparently it was never officially confirmed that Breath of the Wild was a launch title. But 
to me, it was always like, isn't it kind of have to be, <laughs> given that it's a Wii U game that's been in development for years? Yeah. And it's coming to both, so if you want Wii U copies to sell, I guess it kind of has to come soon. Um, but, yeah, it, it 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 brought some interesting things. I think ARMS looks interesting. I think Splatoon 2 is going to be cool. I think 1-2-Switch shouldn't be $50, but looks fun. Although uh, the reviews are pretty scathing, but yeah. Oh, are they? Oh, yeah. Uh, they say that it's like the games aren't even fun. They're bite-sized, like thirty-second games. You don't even look at the screen. Yeah, that's that was what was weird to me. There's about. a lot of problems with it. I mean, I've just heard very savage things about like they wouldn't even person I was talking to wouldn't even recommend this for like a party. They said your friends will throw you and your switch off the roof, <laughs> like at a roof party, because you know that's this whole like idea that got put forth. In the Switch video yeah. that they showed, is like you're on the roof and your Switch gets set up on a pedestal and everybody grabs a Joy-Con and we're rocking Switch, you know. And that's the thing is like they would throw you off that roof party I, if you brought that. Game. I that have was the, the idea. feeling that it probably hasn't been done yet. But uh, is there any, you know, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. One thing they mentioned in that video was, of course, HD Rumble. Which was a weird little thing. Has there, is there any evidence of that yet? So I don't have one to switch. I'm not going to pay fifty dollars for a WarioWare game that's not fun, that doesn't have Wario and isn't fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a result, I played Zelda, and Zelda has a little bit of rumble that feels pretty light rumble actually so one two switch is the tech demo for it yeah i mean it has like the game where you can count how many balls are inside the switch remote with a joy con or 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 how many ice cubes are in the glass i mean those kind of things that's those are the kind of experiences that you would need now i have heard and when we talk about the nindies and make sure i don't forget to talk about the nindies before we get done with I this don't, okay well you don't want to have to call them that but at least remind me about the indie stuff yeah but a lot of those developers are utilizing the HD Rumble in unique ways. And what I've heard is, I think there's one called uh, Glorious Explosion Machine or something like that. Um, there's another game called Tumbleweed, um, and it's like a rolly roguelike, they say. And it's it's literally about, it's a roguelike, and you have different kinds of seeds, and you have to balance them in this interesting way. Um, and... It's insta-kill, because if you die, that's it for your game, but you get new powers to start over with. Really interesting stuff. Um, But both of these games, what they said is that the HD Rumble gives you capabilities. The developers are just really excited about it, because it gives you very, like, minuscule control over how much the controller vibrates, which is interesting. And also, like, it used to be that it was, that Rumble was handled by two counterbalanced weights that spin. Um, you've seen this. Yeah, yeah. And so one is small and one is big, and the way they rotate around each other creates your rumble. So one problem with that is they have to start going and getting some centrifugal force up so it's not as instant as you'd want. So you can, of course, trigger that early in the game, but if you want it to be like really responsive to what you're doing in the game, you smash something and boom, it rumbles. Like That's harder to do. And the other thing is to differentiate left from right, so like stereo rumble. Now this can do it because both Joy-Cons have it. They both have control over the velocity and the intensity of the rumble. Nintendo is, of course, very mum on how it all works. Sure. Um, but it's supposed to be very interesting. For me, I've experienced it in Zelda, and it feels like very, very light rumble. Kind of the way when you were touching the console, you were like, boy, it sounds like not very much audio is coming out of this thing. And it's the same with the rumble. It's a little more like a whimper than a bang. But we'll see, you know? Well, I think that was more that it was an atmospheric game, and there's yeah. no menu music. So I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, where's the sound? Yeah. But... Uh, but yeah, that event, it, it did get me a little more hyped, but all the games are later in the year. Yeah. So, you know, really, you're buying Mar- you're buying a Zelda machine at launch. Mario Kart is is April, and it's an updated version of the one on the Wii U. Yeah. Um, 
Splatoon is early fall, and that's going to launch probably with the uh, online capabilities and a more intense eShop and, excuse me, the like their version of Games with Gold and, and PS Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be that you can get a free, like, like it'll be Mario Kart for Super Nintendo, but they'll have patched in multiplayer. That kind of thing. Okay. That's what they're doing. I mean, I know it's just it's funny when you you know the PS4 and the the Xbox One do it and they go back like three years. <laughs> Nintendo's going back like two decades. Well, I mean that's what they've decided to do, and it's interesting. I mean, we'll see what's going to happen with the virtual console. One of the big complaints about the Switch is that it doesn't have any virtual console at launch. In fact, it barely has an eShop. It's got like you know what the eShop consists of twelve icons of games. You select no music. You, you, you can buy something, and then you download it. That's it. There's 12 games. Um, so, I mean, it's very bare bones right now. Um, but like you said, it's a Zelda machine. Oh, I said Splatoon in the fall, and then um, and then Mario, Mario Odyssey, Odyssey, which yeah. looks really slick. Uh, except for the fact that it's going back to uh, Sonic 2006 with its, you know, mixing anthropomorphic but but weird that goes back to sonic adventure they've been doing that for years they've been so okay okay well that freaks me out when you take a character that's like weirdly sized and like move them into the real world of real people it's like why can't we see the world mario lives in why do we have to see like our Times square with mario in it where he's like half the size of a person like he's supposed to be a human i don't get it do you get it no he's a plumber but he's supposed to be a human plumber. But he goes... Think about it. Realistically, he can crawl into the pipes. He's got to be pretty tiny. Well, the pipes are huge <laughs> in the world of Mario. Why can't I see that city? Anyway, that's not what we're getting. We're getting a game that has Mario, half or one-third the size of human beings, entering our world. And if I suspend my disbelief, it's supposed to be really fun uh, from what people have seen and, and, and played in bits. Supposedly... It's going to be back to the way that uh, Mario 64 was, where you pick a star to work on for each level, go through the level in a unique way, and then switch to the next star, and then go after that star in that same level. So sort of like Galaxy 2 did. A yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but even more so. Even right, more right. focused on the 64 style, which I didn't love, but if the game is really fun, I'm cool. Sure. All right. Um, well, so you, you, you got to switch. I got to switch. So I, as I was saying, I stayed out for six hours. I got to switch with two other people that were... I was excited, but these two guys were fucking excited about the Nintendo hardcore Switch. Hardcore Nintendo they fans? They are hardcore Nintendo fans. One guy, I mean, he doesn't even really play anything but Nintendo stuff. He grew up on it. And that's interesting. That's a different genre of gamer than than I think we are. I mean, I grew up... Nintendo was my first system, too, so I have a lot of love and, and nostalgia. But the thought of having just a Switch and not an Xbox One, it's it's not even conceivable. Well, you know... It's the same as someone who buys Call of Duty and Madden every year. You know, they have what they like to game. To yeah. them, that is gaming. And so yeah. Nintendo, for a lot of people, was gaming in the 80s and uh, It even became some of the synonymous, saying, hey, what are you doing over there playing Nintendo? No matter what, if you're even playing PlayStation, you know? I still, uh, I, people will, I'll be playing my 3DS and sometimes Liz, uh, or my fiance or my mom will go, what, are you playing the Game Boy? And I'm like, well, actually, the Game Boy was the third pillar <laughs> Of their their three pronged gaming approach that unfortunately was retired. Yes, as will maybe the 3ds be. We don't know yet. Oh, mm. you're worried. It's on the way out. Come on, it's got to be right. This thing. Well, here's the interesting thing about that. I mean, we got let's let's before we talk about impressions of the system. Should we talk about impressions or should we talk about this? It's our show. Let's, let's, let's talk about go this. where we okay. go naturally. So here, yeah, good call. So the Nindies thing. It's interesting in that. 
it's showing all of these experiences that so in their way okay let, let me let me rewind a little bit your concern and it's very well found and it's mine too if i really am honest with myself and that is when you have a system like this that is a portable console substitute like it's going to be the new 3ds and a home console when you bring it home it's going to be both but it really leans more towards a home console experience it's not quite as powerful as the xbox one and ps4 but it's in that direction it, it's I mean, Breath of the Wild can hold its own with, like, really great 360 games and maybe early Xbox One games. And I don't know all the specs, but it's somewhere in that range. Um, if the system hues to experiences like that and just expects them, to, expects you to take those portably and that be, like, the portable games that are available from Nintendo, that's not going to scratch the itch that I want from portable games. Right. Like, taking those games on the go is great, but I also want to be able to play you know thing, things that are that are more bite-sized experiences like box boy or i mean you could play that i mean that's the thing though that is what i was going to get they will yeah. come to you could play them on both and i mean that's what developers now have to deal with and is at the end of the day is it is it better to make a console game that can go on the go or a portable game that can be played on a screen and i think obviously it's going to depend developer to developer but i would see it skewing more console but ultimately what it is is the same thing as with the nintendo ds and the game boy you can call them different markets and i, I mean Granted, I don't think Nintendo's really commented on this too much, as far as the 3DS versus the... Not much. The Switch. Not, except to say the 3DS is still alive and well. They have a Pikmin game announced for it. But when you when you, when you it, what it comes down to is, there is an install base for the 3DS. Huge install base. But also moving units is important. And now there is an inherent uh, division in their own marketing, where it's like, you are asking, you are cannibalizing yourself, where for you new are. users... You are asking them, do you want to buy a 3DS from us, or do you want to buy a Switch? And it's like, for your portable gaming. So, you know, which way do you go? And and so one way, one approach they could take, and this is an interesting possibility, is they leave the 3DS console on the market. So they don't do what they did with Wii U, where they just killed the SKU. You know, they said they weren't going to, and then like two weeks later they killed it. They could just leave 3DSs, keep manufacturing them. Maybe a game trickles in here and there, the same way games trickle in on PS3 still. But general, genuine, generally speaking, there's no new push to put out software. And so anything new past this point is going to be on Switch only. However, and there may be ports to the 3DS, but generally speaking, they're not developing for 3DS. And they keep the console alive for younger kids or for parents that want to spend $100 instead of 300 at least until a long time in the future when Switch goes down in price. And then you have all the new stuff come out for Switch. So then you're not cannibalizing, your, like, to use your word, your market of you know, new stuff, you know, the new stuff, that you, the new games that are coming out, there's not like, well, I'm just going to buy it. I have a 3DS that can play it. I'm cool. You well, know? in theory, the only thing that would matter would be, are they still interested in making unique gaming experiences for a, a dual-screen console? And I don't feel that they've really had that in mind for a while. I mean, even with the 3DS, it was more, let's focus on making I don't a thing. You know, when you, until you just mentioned that, I don't even think about 3DS as being a two-screen console. I mean, I know it is, and I know that's very fundamental, but I always feel like, okay, well, they put a menu screen on the bottom, you know? And that's kind of what it is. The, the number of games that specifically innovated or focus on that has definitely gone down, where it's like, yeah, you're going to get a down. menu on the I bottom. mean, things like the world ends with you and game experiences like that where you really it really relied heavily on the touch to great effect are, are really a thing of the past. Now, now is it nice? Like, 
it's super nice to have a, an yeah. uncluttered UI, like playing Pokemon and having yeah. just the fight on the top screen and buttons on the bottom. That's always been one of the great things. So even when two screens, you know, became less of a focus, it was still like, oh, yeah, but all your UI junk can be down here. You exactly. can just tap it. Horizon Zero Dawn's a great example of that, where that game has that, that balance going all the time. You want to experience the beautiful vistas, and they let you turn off all the UI. But you need your stealth meter. You need to know how much ammo you have. You need to know what your health looks like. So that that balance is tricky. So one way they get around that is you push a button and it brings your UI up. And so there's ways to get around it. But you're right, having separate real estate for nothing with that, that's a little lower res, but but functions. And then also with the touchscreen for selecting items. I mean, a game like uh, Zelda, uh, what is it, um, A Link Between Worlds? I mean, that's it's really a, a, a beautiful game to play, a lot for that reason. Yeah. Um... But yeah, that's my biggest concern, because I love my 3DS, and, you know, granted, if I had a Switch, maybe I'd just get over it, but, and it's also a question of what's the functionality going to be, because again, this thing's pretty bare bones, right? So it's like, is Spot Pass going to come, assumedly, to the Switch mm-hmm. at some point, so that you can just do your puzzle swap and whatever other games are on there with, with a Switch? Because then it's like, yeah, I'm just going to use my Switch. It's a tricky thing. I mean, the thing even runs on cartridges that look like 3DS cartridges a little bit. Right. Well, that's the reason I mentioned the Nindies thing, because for a long time there I was worried. I was like, okay, so they're, they're marketing this thing as, okay, look at all the games you see in that video they showed in November, or the very first announcement video in November before they gave us all the info. Um, it was all console experiences, every single one of them. There wasn't one single virtual console thing that I remember seeing. There wasn't one single Shovel Knight type game at that point. It was all, I think the games in there were Splatoon, Mario, Zelda, um, 1-2-Switch. I don't even know if 1-2-Switch was in it. No, that was announced at the second event. Yeah, so. Skyrim. Um, so it was really focused Somehow on... not a launch title. Not for a while. I know that's, that makes no sense, because that game just needs to be ported. Come the fuck on. Like, put that out to show the fucking premise alive. Anyway, I think it's going to be months still. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing there. Um, Bethesda needs to, like, figure that out and quick. But anyway, I mean, there's so, many, so much lost potential. I mean, Shovel Knight coming out day and date. You know how many copies they sold because they're the only other good thing to play on that console? I mean, it's insanity. Um, but anyway... The um, well, we, well, take me back. I, I, I oh, the Nindies thing. So the the idea is that the, all they showed were these console experiences. However, now that we know that there's going to be a big focus on these indie experiences, in a lot of ways, the indie experiences can be like the substitute for 3DS only games. They're they're a lot like that. So take Shovel Knight for an example. It's an indie game, but it plays a lot like like a 3DS Mario or a 3DS virtual console game or something like that mm-hmm. i mean it's just very much it fills that other it fills that niche nicely or a box boy could come i mean it's a very big screen for a game like box boy that's very low res and it might look like really boring when you blow it up that big maybe i don't know mm-hmm. um but that is the direction they're going in and i think that could work as a substitute for 3ds type titles i mean what do you think there's like 50 of them. There's a lot. I'm, like SNK is putting out their old fighting games. A lot of the stuff that used to come, you know, like the SNK King of Fighters shit that used to come to like 3DS and Game Boy yeah. Advance. Those kind of games are being called Nindies and they're being put out. So it's it's yeah. So I I just I feel I feel like the 3DS days are numbered ultimately mm-hmm. because of a lot of these things. You know, that's the march of time. It's just. It's 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 harder when when this was so clearly marketed as the Wii U successor, and then it's like. Oh, they're also killing the 3DS, sort of? Do you of? think they are? I mean, that's not... 
Does I don't Nintendo know. ever officially say, yeah, we're killing something? No, but they've also never not had a home in a portable console in but 20 now they years. have both in one. That's the point, right? Or is it a home console that you can just take with you, but it's really a home console? But if you can take it with you, why do you need a portable console? Because it's different kinds of experiences. That's the other thing that's very important, and why the Nindies thing is important, is because the real problem with, and has always been the problem, why there were 1,500 games for the 3DS and 150 for the Wii U. Development money. It costs a fortune to develop a triple A AAA game. Bayonetta 2, they backed up the money truck in front of fucking uh, Platinum Games' this place. And we're like, yo, we want exclusive Bayonetta 2. We want to make an appeal to hardcore gamers. Here's the cash to make a huge, gorgeous, colorful game. I mean, it takes 30 to 100 million to make a great game like that. I don't, that might be excessive for a game like Bayonetta 2, but a lot of money independent developers double a games or whatever you want to call them cannot do that so that's why 3ds was perfect you can make a game like dementium the ward or or that ghost one uh, that they not, not ghost but that space one they made moon after that and the reason that a small developer was able to make a game like that and have it like it was allowed to look right cruddy yeah and, and you know that is a fair point the games for this can't look like 3ds games and so you're going to get developers but then because because then the trade-off is do you make a triple a high def uh big budget game or do you make a 2d game with pixel graphics right and then that's the way you do it because like shovel knight looks fucking great on this yeah um so that's a way to handle it um i'll give you another case in point this is gonna be interesting for you so ukulele i know you're gonna get it of course like day and date you're gonna get it on your one of course but boy wouldn't it be nice to have it on the switch where it's also coming out for you know, sure, there is a big part of that, and I've always considered if there were games that came to all three systems now, would I want it for the portability? Um, I don't care about achievements as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. I really don't. It's I'm, fallen I'm off got, a bit. I've gotten older, and once your gamer score gets into the 100,000s, you're kind of like, well, okay, another 100 points doesn't really mean as much as it used to. Um, and so... Yeah, that means that matters less. There are other reasons that I like the one still. You know, there's the the, the ability to share games much easier. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, no, having it portable would be sweet. It's just you know, especially you love taking games with you on the go, and also you. The other use that you have for it is you share a TV in the I main do. room, and that's a lot of people these days. Yeah, um, I think I think the biggest thing would be. There needs to be more than just, oh, here's one game I would like, or here's two games I would like. It's just, because it's a it's a big investment. Like, 300 at minimum to get the system, and then, yeah, even even though, because I was saying just from handling riches a little, was just, I'd probably use it more portably, just yeah. honestly. But, yeah, I, would I, because if, having held how close together those little Joy-Cons can be, or how uh, the, the, like, slotted dog head is, it's, um, that sounds weird if you don't know. There was a lot of fan art of the, of the, the Joy-Cons on their little pedestal that looked like a dog's head the joy-con grip yeah the joy-con grip and so uh i didn't love the feel of that in my hand maybe i would get used to it it's not as bad as you would think um the bigger problem i had was that joy-con left connectivity issue which is a thing uh, i really it's a little insulting that reggie fees me who's usually really cool about like diffusing shit but this time he's like so let me tell you the candid truth you heard about this, right? The left one doesn't... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't work. I haven't heard his response. So his response is, um, the candid truth, let me tell you. 
we've had this thing out at events for the past six months and frankly we never had the issue we even tried to recreate it and were unable to so we really think this is affecting a small number of people last time i just looked up nintendo switch just in google the first story was forbes and it said um joy con grip connectivity issues have made it impossible to use my joy con grip on forbes you know this is a couple of forbes yeah, yeah. rising up in game stuff um it's a big problem and they don't and they're not really acknowledging it and that's it needs to be acknowledged it'll evolve they probably were trying to stall and figure out how to fix it. Sure, you want your solution ready to go. Before you start... And now what they're like is, here's some troubleshooting. Make sure there are no other devices with wires near it. <laughs> really, really? In the living room? Yes. Entertainment Make system? sure there's no other wireless devices nearby. Get that remote the fuck out of there. What Get everything that? the fuck out of there. Everything is everywhere. Anyway, it, these are ridiculous. Make sure there's no line of sight issues. It's a portable controller. Are you kidding me? And so anyway, I have that issue in my living room. So I literally would have... I had to sit on the floor in front of my chair to be able to play it. Or else it just what happens is you're controlling Link and he stops moving. Or you're controlling Link and he keeps moving and you're not doing it anymore. And it's like, fuck, stop running off that cliff! Yeah, probably don't want that when giant dudes are swinging axes at you. You don't. You don't. Speaking of which, you were killing it in Zelda there. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's... It's it's interesting uh, that you know some of these problems that they're having are you know they're they're issues you know. Uh, well, uh, here, here's I guess the big question because it's the one question you can ask. Uh, barring that you don't have a Wii U because a lot of people don't, um, or they've sold it like I did mine. Is is Zelda that good? Because that's the big like it's the game. I so mean, so first of all, I would say if you want to play, so Zelda's amazing. Um, you played a little bit of it. Didn't it seem like a lot of fun? It seems fun. I, I, it's definitely the old school first Zelda feel of like, where, where do I go? And, and I was, I was just wandering as opposed to going towards the mission marker. But still, no, no, that's definitely what they're going for. They're going for that idea of that ideal of you aren't told you got to go here. I mean, think the curating, the curation level in those games has been increasing and increasing and increasing, and the guidance and the, and the guideposts are just ridiculous. There was a fucking character called Navi. You know what I mean? Just well, to make sure you a couple decades. Right. Just to make sure you knew where the fuck you needed to go. And then it got worse. Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword, you aren't playing those games for three or four hours with the tutorials that they have to get you into the world. Which honestly, the Zelda world is not that compelling if you really think about it. People love it and they have a lot of nostalgia for it, but if you really think about like how deep or interesting your character relationships are in a Zelda game, they're pretty minor, at least I feel like. I mean, it depends on what you want out of it, because the, the lore is there, and people love breaking that stuff down. Oh, but... I can't believe that people actually take time to think. Now, no offense if you like this stuff, just for me, I feel like there's so many other games to dig my teeth into. Zelda I enjoy on a lot of levels, but trying to figure out where this one fits, I mean, it is a story about a boy who keeps getting basically reincarnated to fight an ancient evil. And so figuring out whether this was the first incarnation or the 18th incarnation of said boy and where they fit into this basically just the same story over and over again chronology just doesn't intrigue me. Now, I hear this one has a better story. Um, and I, and I, so far, it's interesting. I mean, there's these ancient guardians, and they're now kind of wrecked, but some of them are alive. And, you know, you, you meet this. I don't want to spoil any of it because people are very sensitive to spoilers on this game. But you meet this old man at the beginning. Then you find out his identity. It's really, you know, intriguing. You get this little glider, and then you glide down to the new area. So I, at this point, haven't played more than just that first great plateau area that everyone talks about. It's kind of like it's this game's version of having a tutorial area. But it's, it, it still lets you run around, but it's a microcosm of the bigger area. Sure. So they, so they wall it off, 
and they basically say you can go anywhere you want in the small walled off area, you know, for a while, so that you can get come to grips with it. And what's really weird about this game is that you get all of your powers from the very beginning, almost without exception. You get stasis power, and they're they're like glyphs instead of picking up items in a dungeon. So there's like glyphs you get. Um, one's a stop time. One's magnesis. One is cryo cryon cryonis or something and then there's uh bombs and you get like <laughs> what <laughs> you got time stop magnesis cryosis bombs <laughs> it's true they're, i think they're called remote bombs say explosives no that they're, at least... they're called remote bombs and there's two shapes a square remote bomb and a circle remote bomb which rolls just the sh- oh okay yeah. So the shape kind of matters. Only because one goes thud and one goes roll, you know. But that's it. And they're like these, they're glyphy. So like they, they're not an, they're not tangible items. They're like made of energy, you know. So you throw the bomb and it's an energy bomb rather than a bomb bomb. So you get all these from the beginning. And it's the like I, that Bomberman Act Zero shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, you see from the you can see why they would do this because it's a game where you can tackle any of the shrines. And this game has a hundred and twenty shrines and any of the four dungeons, which bums me out. There's only four, but I hear they're really long and in depth. Any of that in any order. You know, once you're out of the Great Plateau, you can run and see Ganon if you want. Um, you'll get your ass handed to you, but you can do it. And so the idea is you have to have all... To make that work, you have to have all the powers from the beginning. But it makes for a very different Zelda game. Sure. Um, but nonetheless, very fun. Infinite number of things to do. I've been chatting with the two guys I sat outside of uh, the Switch event with. We have a text chat going. And they just constantly say, yeah, I'm catching restless crickets. I spent the last hour and a half catching restless quick crickets for a side quest. Another dude's like, yeah, man, I finished 20 of the shrines. I've updated my, I've upgraded my hearts three times and my stamina twice. This game is freaking huge. I mean, people are really, really loving it. I've played about four hours of it just to get through that first initial area. And I'm really enjoying it too. Um, I, my understanding is, yeah, it's probably a masterpiece. When I get a lot further in it, I'll probably be able to say that. Um, for now... Here's the thing. Here's my, you know, my one unique take on it because everything's been said about Zelda at this point. But I will say this: Do that hot take. It's the trappings of Zelda that make it special. When I started playing this game, we already knew it was this open world game where you could go anywhere. We already knew it was like their first time with this big expansive Skyrim like world, and you go and you find stuff. We knew all that stuff. What I didn't know is how good the little parts of it would feel. How much this game could fall apart if. Like there's a cooking mechanic and you throw, so you take ingredients you find and you throw them into a pot and like the way you do it is you gather them up in your hand. So you pick one ingredient, then you put another one in your hand and then another one in the menu, go out of the menu and then if you're next to a little hot pot with a fire under it, it goes cook and then you, and it's all contextual and sensitive, really good controls. You throw the items in there and they start jumping up and down like little animated items in this little pot and it's, and it's, and it plays a different song depending on which items you're cooking and it's like and then like and then like this beautiful meal is like laid out for you in the pot and you collect it and he's like yeah and then like they all do different things and give you different buffs i don't love games where you have to eat stuff to buff where you have to like oil up your sword with poison before you fight but I'm going to have to get used to it because that's the kind of game it is. Yeah. Survival games are Those like weapons that. seem to break pretty quick from just They break was... real quick. Now, that's because we're early in the game. When you get... They really want... The game is... So, because it's not a curated experience for most of it, they have to find their ways of curating it. For example, in the very first area, there's four shrines you have to go to to get each of the cryonis, the each of the, uh, the sh- uh, glyph powers. And one of them is in a snowy area. And if you go in there, you straight die. 
So the only way to get through that area is to eat a hot pepper infused meal. So you're forced to learn cooking that way because if you don't, you can't get to one of the shrines and until you get to all four of them, you don't progress. Gotcha. And so it does it in that way and it gates you. But anyway, it let me learn how to cook with hot peppers. And when you cook with a hot pepper, then you can resist the cold. But you see what I'm getting at? These little trappings elevate it from being Ark Survival Evolved or DayZ or whatever to being fucking amazing and Zelda-like. It's the little details. And every little detail is so perfect and the animations are great and the characters are great. But you know what I mean? That's the thing that makes Zelda awesome and the thing you don't think of when you think of the game. But then you start playing and when you were playing, that combat, like, when I was watching you play it, it's so elegant. And even though it's circle strafing and it's pretty basic, the elegance of it as you run around and, I mean, I don't know. So, so why don't you tell me, what was your, like, very initial take on it when you played it? <laughs> it, it seemed fun. It was hard. I played for about 15 minutes, and I, I liked it. I would definitely play more of it. I've experienced it mostly through Twitter uh, because everyone I follow has been raving about it or, uh-huh. or going off on just how cool it is so i've seen a lot and a lot of uh, later game stuff not too much i've been trying to avoid spoilery stuff just because it seems like a game based on purist discovery yeah. um so i liked it i i thought it seemed fun it felt fun immediately which is important what do you think about the fact you can climb anything and you have a stamina meter uh it's different i mean it's certainly it's very no, different everything link, link can jump just freely love that by the way and in this kind of game he had to yeah. So I liked it. It's hard again, it's harder for me to give the opinion based on fifteen minutes of gameplay. Sure, sure, but sure. I'm just I, asking I, a short take. It made me want to play more. Yeah. I think that's a good sign. Yeah. Of yeah. a game that is basically uh infallible from just looking at just how glowing the reviews are. They're so glowing. I mean it's literally they're nine seven fives and tens. And there are, and, and I've heard there's even mo- there's moments in the game that are so good that there was a guy who was like, I thought I was gonna give it a nine seven five and then I hit this moment, now I had to make it a masterpiece ten. Like that good. So I'm looking forward to experiencing that stuff. What do you think about the, what's your reaction to the fact that there's hundred and twenty of these little like one or two puzzle shrines and that there's only four like dungeon dungeons? Uh my favorite Zelda is Majora's Mask, which has four dungeons. Okay. So to me that's fine. So that could work. Yeah, it'd be I think yeah, I think that's Totally doable. Okay, cool. So, well, I'm yeah. I wouldn't expect that take. I thought you were going to say dungeons are my favorite part, and that's no dungeons enough. are good, but it doesn't seem like that matters with this game. It is breaking all the rules of a Zelda game, yeah. but still being heralded as as much a, of a game changing master. I mean, let's be real. This this is up there with Ocarina of Time in terms of game changing, you know, innovation. Really, uh, so. But the difference though is that in this in this case, it's almost like the innovation, the great step forward, was appropriation. You know, it, it added its Nintendo-ness to it, but generally speaking, it just grabbed elements from everything else that's modern. You know, it grabbed the Skyrim vibe, it grabbed the Far Cry vibe, it grabbed all those different... It grabbed stuff from The Witcher. It just, like, it kept... Nintendo kept their ear to the ground, and they made, like, the modern-day Zelda game that needed to be made for a while. And then they added their little touch on top. But if you look back at Ocarina, I mean, that was a whole new genre they invented. You know what I mean? And the same thing with Mario 64, where they invented the 3D platformer. But there is something to be said about a developer that has no experience with this stuff perfecting it as much as they have. Because when you look at it, they're not the first Japanese dev to step to the Western open-world RPG feel game. Nier. When you look at Nier, or when you look at, you know, Metal Gear Solid Five, Right. Or you look at Final Fantasy XV, that have all of the mistakes of open-world games that, you know, were abandoned... You know, a decade ago. I mean, Final Fantasy XV has a lot of fetch quests and a lot of running from one end of the map to the other and a lot of load screens. Metal Gear Solid 
is is really fun, it's but also very amazing. repetitive yeah. at times. It has a lot of open dead space. So the Nintendo has come in and managed to make this exemplary thing and and evolve their franchise. Um, I think they're wise to not feel like they can't do things other people have done. Oh no, I don't find any fault in the appropriation. I just find it as a different skill. Sure. Uh, than 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 completely destroying the mold and smashing it and, and then reassembling into something nobody's ever seen before. I mean, and arguably it. they haven't done that in a long time anyway. I mean, Zelda yeah. has stagnated a little. It as has. good as each game has been, maybe. You know, there is a lot of sameness to the past 15 years of the 3D Zelda. Yeah, there, there definitely is. Uh, but anyway, I'll be weighing in more on it as I play more. I want to try to have some unique perspective on it. Not like unique for unique's sake, but I really want to try to... Here's the problem. I've listened to a lot of podcasts talking about Zelda. And the problem that I have is everyone just sort of runs through the bullet points of what's awesome about this game. And the reality is there's there's an X factor here. There's a thing that makes this game fun. Because when you first start playing it, it's like, oh, wait, is this going to be fun? And then all of a sudden it creeps over you. Wait a minute, I'm having a good time. Wait a minute, it's winning me over. And, and it's like, what's doing that? And so I'm going to try as I play it to figure out, like, what is it that makes this game so much better in so many small ways? And I guess it's small things so far. It's the little things that add up to the big, perfect experience. Um so we'll see how it goes, but I mean, for my for my play playing so far, it's just it's its own thing. It's great. Cool, cool. Um, and then I also want to ask you about um, the your your little time playing the new Shovel Knight. Oh, I, it was Specter Knight. <laughs> I mean, I played Shovel Knight on the 3DS, so it was Shovel Knight, uh, but with Specter Knight. Mm-hmm. Specter Knight's fun. Uh, I think you know I didn't play Plague Knight either, but I heard he was very different to play as well. Uh, Although the same levels, kind of same levels. I mean, a little bit of variance, but this one's kind of like a new campaign completely. A lot of new levels, a challenge tower, and uh, Specter Knight seems fun to play. Uh, very zippy, can wall run up walls, can yeah. dash through enemies, and use them as kind of aerial platforms. Uh, so a lot of new opportunities. I only played one level, but it was fun. So. It's, it's a really great deal, too. Like, I, I only bought Shovel Knight, and I have no problem giving them another $25, even though I bought Shovel Knight for 10 But that that company has been adding so much stuff in. And actually, I believe, even when I bought the original Shovel Knight, all this DLC is free on that system still. I think if you paid only 10 you get all this stuff free. However, if you buy it later on a different console, then you would have to pay the $25 for all of it. But I would love to give them money for just what they've done here. I mean, they've spent three years making that game into the game it is now. Yeah, um, And it is really, really fun to play. I, I just, re- since I got my, you know, my uh, Switch, I got Zelda, and I got the Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, which is, by the way, the Switch is the launch system for the, the new Specter Knight content that we're talking about. And so, yeah. it's cool. It comes out in April everywhere else, so it's not like a huge exclusivity window. But um, but it's really fun, and I it's a perfect. I've seen it all over the web, and it's true though. It's a perfect complement game to Zelda because Zelda's really you know high resolution and beautiful vistas and and sweeping, and it's just a huge game you have to play in big chunks, etc. And then you have Shovel Knight, which is like more bite sized It's like eight bit graphics. It's very very different. So, um, it's definitely an interesting experience. The one thing I wanted to ask you about though before we close out. What is your take on the industrial design of the system? Because I brought it over here, you got to sort of take a feel. I know you've given some preliminary stuff, like about the, uh, you know, the dog controller and, and all that. But overall, like as a system, does it feel like something that, is it better or worse than you thought it would be? It's smaller than I thought it would be, and yeah. maybe that's a lot of close-up photos online. Yeah, it's smaller and than I thought it was going to be. Angles and hands and whatnot that made it seem like it was going to be wider for whatever reason and, and bigger. Uh 
But it's a little smaller, but I think the screen looks gorgeous. Yeah. Um, it's, it's only 720, and it looks freaking sweet. Yeah, and it's a, it's a bigger screen than the Vita, right? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yes, yeah, so I think it's 7 inches. Vita's like this. This is like this. Yeah. Uh, Rich did some figure gestures for I those did. of you out and listening. I did. Like, we're always so good about our hand motions. Uh, I, I, I think it's a really nice system. The screen's gorgeous. Um, I like the feel of it in my hands. I like the feel of the Joy-Cons when attached to the system. Um, and, uh... So you wouldn't have felt hampered, like, non... So, like, the Joy-Cons, when you put them in the dog controller, you don't love. But on their own, on the sides, you don't feel at all hampered by those where you'd feel like you'd need a pro controller? No, because the the big thing... The problem when they're on the, the hunch, or, or when playing on the sideway one Joy-Con thing, is how close together it feels like my hands are, like I'm having to cr- scrunch in. Mm-hmm. I can go as far out as need be, because... We're kind of we've kind of been trained to that with cell phones and tablets at this point to be like or controllers in general to have a, a wider stance. And, uh, and also, you had no problem with the Wii U tablet. No, I love that thing. Right. So it is it is the type of controller feel I like, um, and I think it just it feels good. Now I haven't I haven't played it extended. I was you know being very delicate and pro, you know trying to keep it propped well. So you know me slouched out on the couch for a long ga- afternoon of gaming who knows how that would be holding that thing up but it feels nice and light it, it's surprising I, I wouldn't say it was surprisingly light because the Vita was surprisingly light to me at the time and this now surprised like, me though when i picked it up only because this has a lot of things that that systems like the vita don't have or that i didn't know they had like a fan like this has like a full-blown like fan like a computer would have, you know, as opposed to, I don't know what Vita did to keep cool, but I don't think there was a fan that went, maybe there was, I didn't notice it. It's a very silent fan. But this fan does turn on and you feel air coming out of it. And that's just a very different experience from a portable. So for me, when I hold it, when I feel it, when I'm, when I'm using it, I definitely feel like I'm holding something that's not quite just a portable, at least in my mind. I mean, you are, you're holding, you're holding a console. You are, it's console powered, uh, at least Xbox 360 and then, a, and, and a little bit level. Yeah. Um, which is cool. I think it's also kind of speaks to, you know, things that you like about, you know, let me, let me put it this way. The shortcomings, the potential graphical power shortcomings that the system has are probably not an issue for you, right? Because yeah, I don't that's care. not really your thing. I, I think, you know, games always look better on a smaller screen because they're all they're, it's like they're they packed do. in. They do. Uh, oh, they, they, oh yeah. it's a fact. It's higher res. Yeah. You know, um, it's higher resolution because of that. I mean, actually, I think that's the wrong word, but it, it, it looks better because you have the pixels and the, the same number of pixels on a much smaller screen. Yeah, and the fact that it looks as Density. Good as it does. That's Density, that's the issue. Yeah. yeah. So uh, visually, I mean, it's a gorgeous little screen. Um, Zelda I, looked great. I was happy with the the sturdiness of the console as well. Like I was really worried with Nintendo, and I have been chronically upset about the 3DS hinges being loose. So whenever you have something that connects tenuously, I always worry about that. For me, at least so far, unless it starts to loosen up and annoy me, it so, feels it's solid. Been a, it's been a week, you know, you yeah. never know. But. but it feels. But for right now, it feels solid, and I'm happy about that. They because... sounded. They sounded like solid rails like sliding together when you were like clinking different yeah things, so. and they have like a like a release mechanism it's a little less the case when you add so like the little joy cons when you use them as little sideways controllers for like mario kart 2 player stuff they have a uh, a little like extra it's called the joy con strap but it's actually another piece of plastic that makes it a bigger controller overall and those slide on like two or three different ways and they just don't feel like they're very they don't feel solid on there Mm. But when you hook it onto the system, it's like it's like the commercial. Yeah, he tried to do the sharpie. Uh, <laughs> it's so silent. 
It's too quiet. But too it, quiet. It, it does sound we won't like get, it's a switch. We won't get hit with those uh, I'm almost thinking assists. about doing it, man. But that's the iconoclast that I am. I'm always looking for trouble. Um, anyway, but uh, and, and then also, just quick question. If you had a Switch right now, what would you buy for it? That, aside, from Zelda, aside from Zelda. Aside from Zelda. You're right. That's not a question. Aside from that. Um, I don't know that I would. Uh, if there's one other game, it's Super Bomberman R because I like Bomberman. But would you? That's the question. No. 50 bucks? No. No? I'd, I'd probably buy the Treasure Trove edition of, of yeah. Shovel Knight. Uh, but, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, 1-2-Switch is a $50 mess. And then, I can't believe it's 50 bucks. It should have been packed in or 20 I'd buy it for 20 so we could, like, milk some cows over here. But not for 50 There was right. a, There was a guy that was on an IGN show up at noon. He They brought in a farmer to ask how, like, realistic it was. And he was like, it's really realistic. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Jordan. All right. That's what he said. So this dude from the Lockhart Farm the Third or whatever uh, uh, speaks to the veracity of the uh, milking. Anyway, unnecessary use of the word veracity. Anyway, um, we're skeptical of the veracity of his claims. Oh, my God. What are we doing here? All I right. don't know. Next I don't up. Know. All right. Yeah, yeah. Let's wrap up. Wrap up. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so um, overall, Switch is interesting. Um Remains to be seen how it all turns out. I will say, a little news blip, it, it is selling really well so far. That means very little, because the Wii U sold really well in the beginning, but we'll see. I oh. think this one will... Well, it helps that people can understand this is not just a Wii update. I know. I know. It, Wii U almost sounds like Wii update. <laughs> yeah. Now that you say it that way. So, anyway, to be continued on the Switch talk, but overall, right now, I'm really enjoying that I have one. Um, glad you got to try it out, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. They should have called. I'm trying to think of worse names. They could have called it the H Wii. That would have that would have also been a terrible name. Oh yeah. It would have implied. Or how HD. about the H D with two eyes after the D? <laughs> That'd be pretty bad too. I mean, they they know how to mess up something. That Wii U. I mean, what do you, I, that's another little quick point. What do you think about the Wii U now that it's kind of closed down? It's it's just stopped. Uh, being produced about a, a month ago as a system as a whole it was a huge uh, failure it was a beautiful mess i think yeah. the the exclusives it had were rock solid yeah. you know the first party games they made for that system um and now i think it's inevitable they're all going to get ported i i i would think you know they're leading with some but if we see donkey kong move over if we see super mario 3d land move over eventually i think they'd be crazy not to digitally or physical i mean yeah. really either way because they can and uh, I think there, none of them really, unless unless it's a game that really used the tablet. But I don't think there were that many that that necessitated the tablet. I'm really glad you mentioned that. So there is one weird thing about this, and that is, so the whole thing of the Switch, right, is that you can play games at home and on the go, and you and you know they work in both modes pretty much the same. But there is one game that came out in Japan that's a mobile port that only works with the touchscreen. So it's portable only. Huh. So it sort of breaks that rule. And so a lot of, that is, it's called like Xenos or Zeos. And it's led a lot of people to wonder, like, is there a future in portable only experiences on the Switch? What do you think? I think if one exception... Proves a rule almost. Yeah, I mean, no. it's going to start... It's going to start... It, it, it certainly I think it breaks proves the that they'll gates. go. I think if they're allowing it once, this early... When it's your defining thing, yeah, means that it's eventually weird. they're probably going to be more portable only games. Yeah, it'd be and interesting. Then, and then the 3DS is really screwed. <laughs> yeah, because then they can just do that. 
Yeah. I mean, it's 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 interesting. I don't I don't know how I feel about that idea of like what I have some games on there that I just couldn't play at home. Then I really would feel like I kind of don't have a home console, or maybe that's the point. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a whole new zone that we're in. So it's interesting. Anyway, um, let's wrap up and talk about what we're going to be playing. Uh, <laughs> ukuleles in April. <laughs> Damn, dude. Let's I, get some shit to play, man. I've been. I've got so much other stuff. If you listen to our other podcasts, which you should totally do, uh, I've talked about you a lot are, of those. You other are very things. often making that case. Go ahead. And uh, you can also see what all we've been doing at thejoyofgeek.net, where we have all our written content. You can find us at the Joy of Game on Twitter. The Joy of Gaming, The Joy of Geek on Facebook. Uh, you can find our archive at thejoyofgaming.com. And finally, you can find me at IndigoMaster, E-N-D-I-G-O-M-A-S-T-E-R on Twitter, as well as at jordanelsega.tumblr.com. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be talking about all the things that I've been doing there on that Twitter account. What about Mass Effect Andromeda? What, what about it? Oh, Are yeah. you going to freaking get it? No. Okay. No, well, there is a comic convention uh, the week after we're recording this, so ba- basically all of my fun money will probably go to that for the month. Okay. Alrighty. Um, I don't know. I got so much to play, man. I got more Horizon Zero Dawn to play. Uh, I'm really conflicted between that and Zelda right now. I want to play both. Uh, Mass Effect 3, obviously, I would love to get it finished before Andromeda. It's not going to happen, but it'd be nice. Um, I'd have to like do what you said earlier and go play the third one from the beginning again, learn how to play it, then jump to where my save is. Um, to remember how to play the game, but I might do that. I swear, if we ever, if we ever had a Patreon or something, one of those level or a Kickstarter, Get one of those goals is going to be a, like a video series of <laughs> you playing Mass Effect Three. You know that would fit really well. Um, um, anyway, you can see, you can find me uh, at all the same places except Jordan's Tumblr and um, tw- or Twitter or Jordan's. What's Twitter. your Twitter? My Twitter is at Rich Lepore, and I have tweeted a couple times recently. Um, um, I got retweeted by some cool people. I was enjoying that. But anyway. I will be playing, if there's anything else, uh, I've still got more Pokemon. I've got Phoenix Wright, which I've, 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 I stopped playing a little bit just because I stopped playing the 3DS for a little bit, and I need to get back to it. Where were you in it? You were playing uh, uh, the... Which one? Dual Destinies. Oh, okay. So you skipped over Apollo. I yeah I, I I gave that one the college try yeah uh, the the fresh coat of paint helps and it's also a well written one so okay how far in are you uh, second case okay. almost done with the second case okay and there's a lot of cases in this one really there's only uh, like five there's five in the main game and there's a DLC case that is apparently quite good so oh I'll probably pick that up nice yeah nice. okay well on that note um uh, my name is Rich Lapore my name is Jordan Alsake and we will be back real soon bye bye.